Welcome to the Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Fings. We're back, man. Episode 165. We got a special guest in the building. Yes, sir. Demarie Johnson. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? All right. Let's give it up. <laughs> We've had him on here quite a few times. His name is DJ. Here he goes by DJ. I mm-hmm. guess that's his uh, 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 AKA, I guess. We're going to have to put him on salary, man. Yeah. Uh, you got to put him on salary. They're actually just my initials, but thanks. <laughs> Yeah, we had this guy on quite a few times. So I was good catching up with him. Uh, mm-hmm. So before we get into the topics, just, just reach out to DJ a little bit about what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've been doing stand-up pretty consistently. Been standing up. Yeah, been standing up on stage, mm-hmm. cracking jokes, making people laugh these days. What is something that you feel um, has gotten a lot better in regards to comedy since the last time you've been on the podcast? Uh, are you asking what I feel has gotten better in comedy in general, or, or what's what, I, what, more, I, what I have gotten better? At? It's kind of a fucked up question. What, <laughs> what, <laughs> what has gotten? I guess how have you, how have you gotten better? I guess, or I'm assuming you've gotten better. What I, from what I've seen, you've definitely gotten. better. I've definitely gotten better. I think uh, where I've gotten better at is just the comfort being on stage, um, and that just came from more stage time. Got it. So when when we first started, or when I first started, even for five minutes. Like my very first time going up, I had to really sit and write and remember word for word every single thing I was going to say or I wasn't comfortable. And that lasted for like probably my first like five or six shows. But now I'm at the point where I still prepare, but I can go up there and be okay if somebody says something random in the audience or if something random happens in the room, I can like address that without feeling uncomfortable tripping with over your words and shit yeah i could i could attribute that to confidence i think the more yeah. you go up on that stage i would compare going up on stage probably to being naked like a bunch of people looking at you naked yeah. on stage like hey that guy's cock looks weird what's going on <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah it's, that's actually yeah that's a good point because when you first start dating someone this is crazy. <laughs> you don't want to let them see you soft. Right, right. Uh, you ain't about to see my dick soft. <laughs> yeah, but eventually it just become regular. Now you're getting out the shower. You know, everything is regular. You're super comfortable. It's like, this is who I am. That's wow. kind of how it is with comedy. So Yeah, just yeah. make sure that water is hot. Don't get out of the cold shower, man. Yeah, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, what, what I appreciate about about you is I, I catch some of your skits. I don't get to get to all the shows, but um, you don't go for the easy shit, man. A lot of people are really hacky, meaning like a hack comedian is like, yeah, I'm black. So, you know, my dick like, and it's like, these are, these are jokes that are heard in every bar or comedy show across America. I think you're not going for the easy hack shit. Now you had a joke that I seen and it, and the joke was more or less like, look, I don't fight ugly people. I don't want to give your comment, your your thing mm-hmm. away. But I guess the, the joke it's on the page, the, ain't it? Yeah, it's on yeah. there. But the joke <laughs> of the premise was basically, I don't fight ugly people, right? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, this is some hack shit at first. But the way you not only did you save the joke, but you made it more uh, more versatile when you made a statement like, look, I'm just saying it it's it, it looked like it took him a lot to get here, right? And yeah. I was fucking laughing yeah that's yeah. like an organic that's like that's comedy i we, think i'm mean, gonna have to cut you off but good, i think man. what happens right there is like you're so familiar with not every single joke but you have like a rolodex of jokes in your head right and then when it comes time to write your own material you're like well martin lawrence said this or eddie murphy said this or cedric mm-hmm. said this 
I like that premise, but here's my spin on it, or here's how I look at the same premise. Right. So I think that's the benefit of just watching a lot of comedy. Oh yeah, and it's, and it's also just wanting to be original and having the desire to actually sit and write. Because right. what I don't like and what I struggle with is the low hanging fruit. So there you, you go. You're never yeah. gonna see me. You're never gonna see me turn a meme into a joke for myself because in my mind. Uh, the person who created that meme was a comedian too. He's just for social media. Yeah, that's true. So I can't, like to me, I can't steal anything. So the premises are pretty universal. Like we're comedians. We all see the world through the same lens or a similar lens. You can't help that at all. But what you can help is how you break that premise down. Mm -hmm. 100%. Also too, man, you can't get away with stealing content anymore. And this is the reason why. Even back in the days of Carlos Mencia, Carlos mm. Mencia was a huge comedian, but he got exposed by Joe Rogan. I don't know if you've seen the video. I did see that. Oh, yeah. And Joe Rogan yeah, was one was of ugly. Yeah, Joe Rogan was about to beat his motherfucking ass because all the acts that he was stealing his jokes from start coming up on stage like, hey, that's my joke. You yeah. stole my joke. But even now, like, there's too much access. There's too much internet and Instagram. People people have seen these memes or they've seen this the, the, the tone of the joke that you're doing. Yeah. I've seen. I, have you seen that in person? Where somebody take a meme and they not that, it. but like literally steal somebody's joke. Oh no, I have definitely seen that in person. Yeah, in real time. it's it's very. I've seen it. Maybe I've seen it only maybe. I've seen it probably twice, and it happened in a in a space where I was like, I don't even know where the original joke came from right. because yeah. I, you know, I'm seeing these two people say the same joke. But yeah, I remember when I was, um, I think when I was recording, there was a joke that was told on Tyson's, um, his series that he had, yeah. the show that he put together. Um, and then I went to another comedy show and some guy told the same exact joke. I was like, what? Like, I don't know where this came from or wow. who stole it from who, but it was, it was just That's like, ridiculous. Yeah. And, and it's messed up because we, it takes time to write that stuff and you're mm-hmm. doing this. We all trying to make a living off of this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you take my joke and that's the joke that somebody else important sees and says, hey, this guy is funny. Now it's like, right. that, was, that was my joke. Like, right. That I sat and I stayed up all night and and all that and wrote that set for. And you got to work it out. Yeah. yeah. It's not even a great joke the first time. Here's you the it. worst part. You stole from my brain, motherfucker. <laughs> mm-hmm. Literally. Like you stole from my brain. I was like with me, the way that I come up with jokes is literally when I'm at work driving in the truck and something just hits me. And I got to either talk into my voice recorder or something and I'll be busting up. Like I literally have tons of jokes in my phone just thinking about wild shit. And the fact that if you the thing about it is sometimes you could have a parallel thought process with another comedian. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the jokes kind of mirror each other. But, you know, it's not a copycat. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, look, your brain is not so unique. There's going to be some things that are somewhat kind of comparable to other jokes. But for the most part. If I'm talking about being baptized by pussy juice and you say it too, motherfucker, you stole it. Yeah, yeah. Right? definitely. Because that's <laughs> nobody's being baptized by pussy juice but me. Okay, yeah. that's crazy. You stole my joke, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> it's also a thing, though. Like it's like for me, it's like I want to get like if that happened to me, I would want to get mad. But I'm so cool. Like I would just be like, you know what? Go ahead and have that because clearly you can't keep coming up with new material like I can. Well, you're not gonna be happy one day when you when it's a major joke that yeah. I, that's something that's like that's, that's my one, that's, right. my, that's my baby right there. Uh, yeah, and I got some of them that. No offense to anybody, if you perform with me and you touch on any of these topics, I know where you got it from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Because some of this stuff, I'll be the only one talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not cool, man. Mm-hmm. My thing is this, dude. And that's the cardinal sin, right? Anybody that does that, if, okay, here's the problem too. If there's a bunch of open micers and they're not great, because nobody's great when they start out. Some people are more natural, I guess, but no one's really great. We're all at, at a low level, regular beginning. Some people have more stage time than others, but no one's killing. Some people are doing good, but killing is like Joey Diaz. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. fucking killing it. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you're killing it, you're a Cat Williams type of guy or somebody like killing in comedy is an art form. Yeah. yeah. Right. In our minds, we want to. We all went to the comedy store. We've seen how those and we motherfuckers. had all been on stage like before then. And yeah. It's like, yo, these these dudes build different. That's, they built different. That's yeah. where being humble come in at. hundred percent. <laughs> and understanding yeah. like if you if you appreciate the game, you could look at somebody and be like, OK, I got work to do. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't mean you can never get to that level because right. when they were at your point. You might be better than they were at the same point. In there your you end. go. But also understand that that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about today. And today, he just ate that in a way that you could not have. There yeah. you go. And, yeah. But all you can do is, you know, every time there's a headliner, because oftentimes I'll perform and people will come up to me like, you should have been headlining. You was funnier than the headliner. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And and it's like, all I can say is thank you. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I'm like, that's because you don't even know what he just did for real. Because mm-hmm. you're not looking at... The, like comedy is a science for real. It is. So I know everything he just did. Whether y'all was in here dying laughing or not, I I understood the reason why y'all y'all got lost is because that uh, setup might have took too long or whatever. But I know what right. he was doing though. One hundred percent. So you can learn from people even in moments where the audience felt like you were funnier. Mm-hmm. But that's true. Like I remember the last time I went up on stage, I, I looked at the video and I seen where I could have got better. I felt I did decent. I felt I did decent. I only want to say I did good, but I felt I did decent. Mm-hmm. And I, I got a tone for it because the, the time beforehand, uh, we were, I forgot what bar we were at or whatever. I had all new material and no one, they laughed at a few jokes, but they weren't like, you know, you get a sense for how funny you are. But the thing about comedy is you can't be afraid to bomb. Yeah. You might, none of your shit might be funny. None of it might make people laugh. You have to have the balls to get up there. And that's why, and, and the thing about it, if, if, if you're bombing, that's kind of a good thing too, because that means you're not going for the easy shit. Yeah. yeah. You're going for the shit that's making people think. Chris Rock bombed many times before he started to perfect these jokes. If you're making motherfuckers laugh every single time and you're, and you can tell you're going with convenient jokes, you're not challenging yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious, man. The, the beautiful part about comedy is like you always said, you, you get, um, dismissed or affirmed right on the spot. Oh yeah, because you could you could be in whatever room or you know sitting in your car or whatever and thinking, mm. yo, this this gonna hit, this gonna hit. Yeah. Then you get on stage and you spill it out, and they just like, huh? And then you like, huh. dang, I gotta go back to the drawing board. Cat uh-huh. Williams said, Cat uh, Williams was asked about bombing, and he said, uh, he said, every shooter in the NBA will tell you that they don't miss a shot. But the truth is, they all miss. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's naturally like, no, I don't miss. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if you've never missed a shot, then it's probably because you didn't take a shot. There you go. Yeah. And, and he is basically, he basically just, uh, w- exactly what he said was like, tell me the boxer who's never been punched in the face. Floyd Mayweather. 
<laughs> he different. That's, boy, t- he is canvas. different. Ain't nobody hitting that nigga. He's boy, different. literally touched the canvas. Right, yeah. right. He ain't been down. He, yeah, but the he, only thing that could beat Floyd Mayweather is a book. Damn. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> this nigga stuttered through a whole novel. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, man. But no, that was it. Just you can't be scared to fail at anything, though. Mm-hmm. That applied to all that. You can't. That's be, it. My bad, to yeah. you, you literally can't be scared to fail. If you mm-hmm. don't, if Steph Curry don't shoot the ball from that far, he don't know if he can make it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Failing means you tried. Yeah. That's what failing. Failing is a failing is a receipt. It means you tried. But you know what's fucked up about cat. Cat Williams bombing is it hit different because he's little as fuck. You already four foot nine and yeah. you bombing. Yeah, <laughs> you just a little unfunny nigga up on he stage. Said, he said <laughs> the thing. The one thing he did say, and I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I've had a moment where I guess I could call it bombing, mm-hmm. but I don't. It wasn't a complete bomb though, because people, people were laughing. But you know when you you know when it was like when you know when it's like I wasn't prepared. Mm-hmm. It didn't go how it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. I've had that moment, and what he said was true. He said the bombing is important because it tells you what not to do. A hundred percent. And ever since then, I do not like. I'm never gonna forget that. Yeah. And, and I wasn't. I didn't even have to go through it like a situation where I'm being booed or there's complete silence, like right. I've seen, or none of that. I was just like, that was enough. I don't want to do that no more. At yeah. All. yeah, I think it's in you too, man. <laughs> I think it's in you. I don't think that you could be unfunny your whole life and now you're funny. That's not how Hell comedy no. works. You have to have some form of comedic value to be up on that stage. And even if you bomb, you'd be like, okay, these motherfuckers didn't laugh. I'm going to hit them over the head the next time. And the next time you might get four laughs, right? And you're like, eh, did better, still bomb. Then the next time motherfuckers are dying laughing. You're like, okay, now how can I refine this joke? How can I make this joke longer? Another thing too is making people think can make the joke funnier too. Yeah. Because most, the best comedians are all pretty smart guys. Mm -hmm. They're, They're multifaceted, like, really deep they they know about geometry and all kinds of shit yeah and if you're just a hat comedian like these hoes and niggas ain't shit stupid bitch right there yeah. you're only gonna get so many laughs out That's of that old. yeah yeah i think about the bigger picture too uh nobody do that on a special so <clears throat> so for me when when people try to tell me like why don't you do these kind of jokes or these kind of do-? like the more relatable just simple stuff i'm like man they don't want to hear that in europe no at all. Ooh. So that's a good point. They can't relate to that. So I'm trying to wow. do stuff for there you go. Ages eight through eighty in all the countries in the world. So oh, wow. I know that I'm not on that level at this point as far as like the talent wise. Right. Because there's a lot of work to do. It's, it's hard to get that level. This is why only few people do it. Bruh. But if that's a goal of mine, I gotta that's why when we first started, um, I was so into like the actual writing and trying to remember my set because a special is not going to be crowd work. So I had to work backwards. Most people start out good with like the crowd work mm-hmm. and you're just a funny person and you could go up there. And, and But I was like, I'm trying to come off, you know, with a whole script thinking yeah. that that's how I'm supposed to do it because I'm watching Kevin Hart and Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. and Eddie Murphy and them. I'm not trying to watch whoever at this open mic. Y'all not where I want to be at for mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I struggled with that. I had to work backwards and be like, okay, let me uh, yeah. learn the sim- the small room stuff to make me a better comedian just in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't, the thing about comedy, there's, there's no rules to this shit, man. Yeah. I think comedy is a reflection of your own energy and, but there's things you can learn. A lot of things you can learn that help you 
it helps you refine your own style of comedy. Yeah. Right. Where, you, you know, you may assume you need to tell a story, but that's not what you need to do. This is because you watch X, Y and this person as an example. Yeah. But if DJ just got up there and be like, hey, where'd you get that hat? Oh, you got it from Lids. Okay. Your wife used to work there, right? Oh, yeah, I fucked her. Like, shit like that. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, hey, man, what's going on? What are you talking about? Yeah, you can't do that. It's mm-hmm. like you said, they want to, the audience wants to think. Right. Like, I, I'll give, I'll say something I said in Tehachapi this past weekend. Like, oh, you that, that, Yeah, I went to Tehachapi. That was, that was definitely an all-white crowd. By the way, I'm performing anywhere right now. <laughs> this week, I was on Zoom, and then I was in Tehachapi. My career is taking off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but I said, uh, <laughs> I told, I said, I told, the, and and it was such a delayed reaction. I never got a reaction this delayed, uh-huh. and you know my reactions be delayed. Keep mm-hmm. to tell you, it'd be taking a minute. Okay, that's why I pause so much because it's like they got it got to register with, whatever them, I say. Right, right, right. So I told them like at the end of my set, I'm like, yo, I just like to leave y'all with some motivation. I'm like, follow your dreams. Like this comedy stuff is a dream for me. Right. It's a dream come true, um, and your dreams do become reality. And I'm like, evidence of this is. Uh, just think about the last time you you uh, peed in your sleep, and it took a minute to register. And I'm like, so so y'all ain't never peed in your sleep and woke up wet. And it's like dreams become reality. As in, if you pee in your dream, you definitely peed in the bed for real. <laughs> and yeah. but like when I said it in Tajpi, it was like a delayed reaction. And and this dude in the front row was like, wait. That's deep. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and the whole crowd, the whole crowd just started laughing. But I'm like, sometimes it's better to make them think about some stuff because that means you said some stuff that's like, yeah, that's Damn. like that original. They hadn't thought they of hadn't that heard yet, right? That before, yeah, it's like paint a picture for them, give them a new perspective, and they mm-hmm. appreciate that more. Yeah, have them go home really talking about like, damn, mm-hmm. that yeah. really. But that, that's a, like the like we were saying, like the beautiful part about. Just trying new stuff. Like both of you guys have jokes where I'm just like, dang, I, could, I didn't even think of that, but that's crazy. <laughs> no. Like you're a freaking Popeye. That's hilarious. <laughs> and yeah. I think even you with you, like I was telling you with those, um, the like little... those ending quotes, like you can make that a thing. Even I forget what it was exactly, but you had one where you were saying like, um, never don't ne- let your ass smell yeah, like never let your booty smell like ass yeah <laughs> uh, i want to put that on a t-shirt because that's important do not yeah. let your booty smell like ass <laughs> wash your ass <laughs> yeah yeah man mm-hmm. yeah but yeah the, the, the comedy the whole comedy thing man if be- you guys are thinking be- go ahead before we move on from the comedy i do want to say something while i'm here because i don't know when i'm coming back <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> Where, wherever y'all wherever y'all see me end up in comedy know that keith and eddie had like probably the biggest impact on me even getting on stage for the first time i probably have never told y'all that oh. but when i came on here i just like that's why i looked at the date for when the first time i came oh. on here was the first time i came on here i had already been typing out premises but i'm not a public speaker at all got you got you got you after that episode we talked for probably like 30 minutes to to an right. hour, maybe. Right, right, right. And right. this is the first time I ever met Eddie. And Eddie's like, yo, you got to get on stage, man. Da, 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 da. And me and Keith had already kind of discussed it a little bit. And I left that conversation like, dang, I probably should get on stage. He never met me. He felt that way, too. Right. And then Eddie got on stage shortly after. He beat mm-hmm. me to it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah and then crazy. so I'm like, dang, he got on stage. Like, that's dope. Because he yeah. was talking about going up for the first mm-hmm. time, too. Yeah. And so then the very first text I got on New Year's of 2019 mm-hmm. was from Keith. And it was like, happy new year, bruh. 
you gotta get on stage. <laughs> <laughs> the very first text of the year, though, like yeah, my funny. mom ain't called me yet. I'm like, that wasn't even keep the text me. That was God. So <laughs> I'm like, that was God that text me. So when I hit Eddie, like not being a hater or nothing, he just immediately like, yeah, I seen you the guy right now. Mm-hmm. And Tyson put me on the yeah. show right away. Like without mm-hmm. me ever doing stand up, Tyson was like, yeah, I got a spot for you, February twenty second. Yeah. So I feel like. Y'all put, like, it was already a thought, but y'all made me, like, actually go do it. Yeah. And then the conversation I had with another friend of mine, uh, Tyra, she mm-hmm. she was like, I'm like, man, I just feel, I was saying dumb stuff. I just feel like I'm going to be good, and I want to be an actor. I don't want to be known as a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. You could, for sure, get in your own way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, she kind of just... It's it's the bullshit we tell ourselves. When we like vote. even for me, like <laughs> I, I don't treat comedy as like a career, but right. Even for me, I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. But when I got up there, it was like euphoric. Right, yeah, it's you a just, different feeling. Yeah, yeah. And it's the only thing that gave me the feeling that playing basketball used to, where before a big game, I'm you always nervous. You're not mm-hmm. scared to go play the game, but mm-hmm. you're nervous because you want to be great so bad mm-hmm. and you want to win. Mm-hmm. And before I get on stage every single time, even at the open mic we just went to, mm-hmm. nobody here, this is not, it's, Yeah. what is there to be nervous about? But there I'm so no nervous. Here. Yeah, That's normal. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's normal. I think that the nervousness comes from not being scared, but more or less like you want to do good. Yeah. So that's fine. And you know that as soon as, as soon as they say your name and you get the mic, you at home. The nerves is gone. It's the weird. Is gone. It's the weirdest feeling. Like mm-hmm. it's like there's no nerves. You just no. in your bag at that point. Now you said you, you did a you did a open mic. What you said in Tehachapi? Uh, no, this was a show in Tehachapi oh, so on told. Friday. It was so, an actual show I got booked for. Wow. So when you left, they was like that color boy show was funny. That's funny. The, the host, <laughs> hey, the host was actually the host was actually black. Really? It was actually Sam Ridley. Oh, oh okay. yeah, Sam really was funny. Man. Sam really was at the first open mic I did too. This whole week is weird. Now I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Sam really did my first, like the first ever open mic, and he gave me a whole bunch of like mm-hmm. words of encouragement, like you That's is good, good, like your timing. He told me like he was like a year from now, people are not going to want to follow you, and I'm saying this right now. Like remember, I said this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he was telling me that the first day he saw me, the first five minutes, mm-hmm. and you not think you just like oh he just think I'm good, and then like you really go and do all this time. And now you really do see like so much growth and, you know, it's dope though, man. I I just think that, I don't know, people that have been doing comedy for a while, they could kind of see things in you. You don't see in yourself. You just yeah. got to keep doing the work, man. Yeah. As long as you keep doing the work, you're going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. So DJ and, and all that know him, man, continue to surround this guy with good energy. Yeah. But if he doesn't tell a good joke, don't fucking laugh at him. <laughs> at all. Don't me, I, don't need no, I don't need no fake laughs at all. I it's don't gonna, want that. It's going to be always that one person. Ha ha! Yeah, that's not going to help me get back. better. <laughs> that's not helping nobody get better. The one, the one drunk guy that had no business being in the stands. Mm-hmm. All right, switching gears, man. Uh, man, th- this week has been a... A big week. It's been a, a GOAT week, man. You have the, the NBA Hall of Fame. Kobe was inducted. Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan. This is one of the, arguably one of the best years or or best, uh, 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 what do you call it, John, uh, years for, or what do you call it, the classes. Mm-hmm. One of the best classes of the mm-hmm. NBA. So mm-hmm. that, that was awesome seeing Kobe get inducted by his wife and Michael Jordan, the GOAT. Um, and also it was followed by a lot of J. Cole. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of J. Cole this week. Got an album dropping, mm-hmm. and he's playing in fucking Rwanda. 
Yeah, he um, really in Africa too. He really in Africa right now. <laughs> this nigga is playing right next to those zebras. That's crazy. <laughs> Niggas be counting me out and counting my zebras in front of my clips. <laughs> this nigga J. Cole is the lightest person on that continent right now. Oh, <laughs> facts, but got the nappiest hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that nigga, hey, hey, J. Cole out there looking like Sideshow Bob from The Simpsons. <laughs> he out there trying to kill Bart like a motherfucker. Uh, I had a question I was going to put in on uh instagram but i I just didn't didn't end up doing it who looks more homeless childish gambino or j cole definitely j cole oh j cole got gambino built more homeless though (laughs) 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 oh man yeah childish gambino is like do you got some change homeless yeah (laughs) yeah j cole is just like i really don't got a house <laughs> he do got a car to sleep in though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Charles Gambino is more or less. Do you got some chains homeless? And like J Cole looks more or less like mental illness homeless. Yeah, God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh damn! If he could have just got some help. <laughs> you see him right there with the dreads. He used to be a great basketball player. Dang. Exactly. His life took a turn for the worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Oh, man. Yeah, but no, man. J Cole's doing his thing, man, and his album is dope. You know, I guess, you know, art is subjective because I'm hearing a lot of people like, oh, I don't like, I don't like their album. But it's like some people's opinions don't matter because like if your favorite rapper is like the baby, don't tell me about fucking J. Cole. The <laughs> baby is dope, though. The baby is dope. You got to use a different example. Yeah. Well, no, I don't <laughs> have to because uh, well, my question is, will the baby be around in 2015 or 15 years? Hmm. I don't know if that sound will last that long, but I know that guys like Kendrick, Cole, Drake, Jay-Z have stood the test of time. Yeah. yeah. So these are the the elder statesmen of hip hop all have the same thing in common. Mm-hmm. They can make that music and tour with that music when they're fucking 65. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But the baby they be like, "Oh, what, what was his name again?" <laughs> and I think he's a good artist. Don't get you could be good and you still may not have longevity in hip hop. Yeah. The music that let's be real, the music that made the Stallions making. Can she make that when she's 40? Probably not. Nah, nobody yeah. trying to hear about your wet that pussy at forty. Matter. Yeah. If it's still wet at forty, though, <laughs> I might. I might want to hear about it. <laughs> By she then, be, she know how to cook hella good. She gonna be going through hot flashes and shit. God yeah. damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that pussy survived menopause. <laughs> <laughs> pussy survived menopause. <laughs> that shit. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That'd be crazy, yeah. J. Cole, but I can see J. Cole doing that catalog when he gets older. Like, niggas been counting me out, and it's like, bro, all them niggas is dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, but yeah, J. Cole. Uh, J-, J. Cole is like this multifaceted, like, mon- like this, this, this huge figure, you know, this, yeah. this monumental guy. And this guy has accomplished so much. You know, he has his college degree. Um, he's a extremely popular well-known and successful rapper and now a professional athlete and i don't his think label is pretty yeah. legit in his label mm-hmm. yeah so i mean these things don't happen by accident mm-hmm. you know this guy is a, is accomplishing great things and they a lot of people try to make fun of his stat line today his stat line was like he had three points and like mm-hmm. three rebounds and or whatever it was and it was like really they you know he only got that in 17 minutes and it's like bro the same person talking about J. Cole is probably using Wi-Fi and his stomach is hanging over his fucking belt. And just because he got those stats, like you feel like you could talk about him. Like this, think about this. This guy's a professional athlete. 
Yeah. At 36 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a huge deal. Yeah. And yeah, I think um, as far as those people go, you don't realize like, um, he, like he, like we said, he paid 17 minutes. He only had three points and a couple rebounds and he only had, he, uh, he had a putback layup and then a, and a free throw. Uh, and, a free throw. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, but that was his first game. I think, you know, f- for we took we just talked about being on stage for your first time yeah you know and it, it being on stage for the first time doesn't necessarily show your what your potential you is be? like it shows your potential but it doesn't show who you are currently because he really putting in the work yeah like, you know, they, they, they also not looking at the fact that on that putback he was the only one that hustled back to yeah get that there you go the yeah. richest person in the building yeah. <laughs> is running the hardest on the court and yeah. you also i mean you also have to account for like you know he is in rwanda so they're yelling out plays and he might not understand it yeah he's like come on to come to water and he's like what <laughs> this nigga running the wrong plays out there he just hustling harder than everybody yeah <laughs> He posted a meme on his Instagram. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, that was funny. The, the, the problem that a lot of, um, I think people, what they don't realize, like a certain artist, there's certain artists out here that are like addicted to social media. Like, mm, you know, they be on right. day, they got to post when they Meet ride meal. around in their car in the studio and stuff like that. What the, the problem they really don't want is for a guy like Gambino or J. Cole to really be like active on social nah, media. No, they go out, they got some shit. To yeah, say. and then they, I, I would imagine their numbers and everything would be crazier because mm-hmm. they're already like super successful artists now. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I think I, that's what I love about J. Cole. That's what I love about J. Cole, Childish Gambino, and Kendrick Lamar is they have an extremely low social media presence, mm-hmm. but they are extremely popular for their art. Mm-hmm. See, a lot of artists, a lot of musicians or whoever, comedians, whatever, they think they have to have a consistent social media presence. That's a fucking lie. Mm-hmm. How good is your content? Mm-hmm. People, if you, if you redirect people to your content, that's all that matters. Yeah. If you're a person that's posting five, six pictures a day of your new car or your new shoes for motivation, for motivation, but mm-hmm. you just want attention, mm-hmm. that's not directing them to I, your content. I think that's tough, though, because... For those artists like J. Cole, Kendrick, and those guys, they were around before social media was a was like as as major as it is now. That's a fact. So for a newer artist, can you still pull that off without because because I've been in rooms where uh remember we yeah, were out there yeah. at the shoot That's and, a fact. Uh, and Pat <clears throat> played music for the managers in there and they everybody in their head bobbing. Whatever everyone acknowledges, yo, he's dope. Who what's, is that? What's your social media look like? What his numbers look like? The wow. very first thing, and I'm like, you just sat here and said, he, wow. So yeah. then once they hear his numbers, it's like, ah, see, we can't really build no. I mean, we can have him come in as a writer and other soccer, write my best wow. material, give it to you because this person already has a hundred thousand followers. Wow. But but with that too, not necessarily, um, not necessarily social media presence, but if said person did have a song with 500,000 streams or something like that and then he only had uh 6,000 followers or something that still would be a different conversation yeah so it's, it's like, like how do you get those streams yeah it's like you got to put the work in even like say I was just saying like even if you got you know 900 followers or something on because it's it's things where um different platforms have just different numbers associated there's some people that got Two million TikTok followers, but they got like thirty thousand Instagram followers. So if that same person is just be um, 
like even like a guy like Dave Chappelle. I don't. He doesn't even have Instagram, right? Yes, he does. He, he does. Has Instagram. He, he only made posts. One, right? That's he where he dropped special. Yeah. That's where he yeah, dropped yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like sometimes your art could be more um, fascinating to people than your actual Instagram. So as far as Instagram goes, it's not about having it or not. It's more so about like, yo, just post the content related to whatever you're doing. But that's why I asked: <laughs> Does it matter if you're established or not? Because like Dave Chappelle. Those Netflix deals and mm-hmm. and the the numbers on Netflix and all that came without him even having an Instagram, mm-hmm. strictly because of what he has already established himself to be. That's so, facts. Yeah. Like Jay Z want to drop tonight, right now, an album yeah, that he matter. made this morning. It's not about to matter. People about mm-hmm. to listen to that because it's like that's facts. Yeah. He stood the test. And it's of time. like he don't have to say nothing. Like it's like how do we even know this album was coming out? Mm-hmm. It just popped up and and it's going viral. So it's like. And, and that's a test, like that's a testament to their greatness, though. Like, yeah, yeah. even they, even my best cut you off, but even like Beyonce, her Instagram is primarily just pictures. She doesn't yes. actually use it to like promote yeah. anything, and it, I mean, it works for her. But she, but it goes back to DJ's point, man. She's been around way. No, I'm not. Really, I'm not okay. relating. I'm just saying, Got like, it. Got it. She she has an Instagram where it's like. I'm using Instagram for what it was probably originally intended to do is True. just post pictures. And my music is like completely outside True. of it. It really just, should all be promotion, really. Mm-hmm. But people mm-hmm. would just be wasting, you know, time. I just think like it, you gotta realize how these people's brains work too. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like I don't really feel the need to tell you anything because mm-hmm. I've earned that right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've earned it. So I don't need to. But if you, you that's a hell of a point you made. Cause I can't think of one artist that's newer that, that doesn't use social their social media the way that other older acts. Cause like, how's he gonna see me? Like, right. <laughs> how's he about to see me? Especially, especially, and you go through things like a pandemic. Yes. Like, yeah, you got to get on there. But yeah. the, I think the the problem is not with using it; it's just the way you use it. Yeah. If you're a rapper, I want to see you rapping. I don't care. That's about, a good point. Like, He's know, right too. That's why you don't. That's what. Yeah, like it is annoying when you start posting unrelated mm-hmm. things that have nothing to do with your brand. It's like, why mm-hmm. are you posting that? But mm-hmm. the captions kill me the worst. Yeah, the captions are just like, dude, will you fucking relax. Mm-hmm. It'll be a, it'll be a dude that's it could live in your city somewhere, and they post a picture of like this car they got, and they'd be like. They always told me I wouldn't make it. You'd be like, who told you this, nobody nigga? Who told, told you that. this shit? Literally nobody. <laughs> Literally nobody ever told you this. Yeah. You know, and or just like rappers be lying saying, teacher told me I wasn't going to be shit. No, they didn't say that. <laughs> nobody, the teacher didn't tell you it was going to be shit. <laughs> well, you pro- even if she did, you probably was acting like. Yeah, you, you know? probably wasn't shit. Yeah. Yeah. I literally had one tell me that and I understood <laughs> He told me, he told me my girl was going to leave me all that. Damn. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that guy. He told you about your girl. Yeah, because my I had a, I, my girlfriend was in the class with me, mm-hmm. and he telling me like she's gonna leave your ass because you don't you copying her homework. And you damn right, I'm copying her homework. Why are you worried about my relationship? You I fucking pedophile. Yeah, I don't want to do it. <laughs> like, you not gonna, he's, place. He told yeah. me. He told me if I come back, uh, what did he say? He said if I come back with something that just showed that I turned out to be something. I forgot whatever he said, but he would give me a certain amount of money. And I was like, what? like, cause he just didn't believe I was going. Mm-hmm. Cause I really been a class clown forever. Yeah, like, but teachers be getting out of pocket. They'll be like, you know what? And they'll say some wild shit. Like, you know what? I'm tired of your black attitude. I mean, look, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Yeah. Yeah. Whole time I'm working on what I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I'm being yeah, a class clown. Cause that's what I'm about to grow up and become. Oh A man. comedian. Whole time you didn't know that. Oh man. Yeah. Congratulations. You played yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the hard part about 
I think adults is that, um, and something that we recognize because we're a little bit, you know, we're millennials and whatnot. You realize that what a child was doing may not necessarily be the worst thing in the world. That could be, that could just be, you know, what they're supposed to be doing for the rest of their lives. So the kid that's freaking reading in class when everybody else is doing math or something like that. The kid that couldn't read worth a fuck. That kid too. Yeah, yeah that, he graduates that. to be a, a inmate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I think I've mentioned this before, and I, I know I'm a dick for this. But when I was in school and during reading time, I would always pick the person that couldn't read. Yeah, yeah. And that kid usually was a bully, though. So mm-hmm. I, that kid was usually a bully or was mean to other kids, and I would pick that person on person, I'm mm-hmm. on purpose, and they would be struggling to read, I, and I'd be I, laughing. I'll say this though, uh, just me working with kids. Those bullies was bullying as a defense mechanism. Yeah. Because yeah. they were uncomfortable with mm-hmm. having to. So even kids that teachers or whoever would think is just a bad kid, he acting up to get kicked out of class because he don't want to do this. Oh, so if you pay yeah. attention, he might he might act up every day at reading time. C- certain times, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's because he can't read or he's acting up during math because he can't. And it's, he literally don't have the support at home or whatever it is. Mm. So his confidence is low. So he like... I would rather get in trouble and they think I'm bad and put me in detention and all that. And then remember, to have I think to you read. mentioned you was trying to help a kid like that, but that you couldn't keep helping him because he was he stunk, he was stinking, so you couldn't help him. He was. <laughs> that never happened to me. No, I'm, there, I'm fucking with I you. I was man. like, damn, that's, <laughs> hey, that's a sign of neglect. <laughs> Yo, I did, I did, I did get that from I did, I did get that from trying to help a kid though. Uh, uh-huh. I was trying to have him read, and this boy always got in trouble. This is uh-huh. the only time that at, at my job that I ever almost cried, because uh-huh. he was. Uh, I was trying to. I was helping him, and he got in trouble every day, like one of the worst kids. Uh-huh. And I was trying to give him this reading assessment, and he wasn't trying to do it. And uh, he just, I, I put the timer on. I'm like, okay, you don't have to. I just need to know your words per minute. So I'm gonna just set the timer for one minute. Read however many words you can. We don't have to read the whole passage or whatever. I set that timer, and he just put it. He stared at it for like. 10 seconds and just put his head down and then I seen the desk wet and I'm like are you crying and then like he just got up and hurried up and stormed out of class mm-hmm. and I was like he literally stood at that thing and was trying to read it and could not mm-hmm. and he was crying so he like hurried up and exited the room he didn't want to see, he didn't want me to see him crying wow. I was sitting at that table like dang we be on you every day wow about this stuff and like thinking you just a troublemaker and all that you literally you just can't read are doing that to get out of having to to be, being embarrassed because you're in a group of other kids and things wow, like that. Man. I was trying to tell a joke and you took it all fucking serious, man. Yeah. So where yeah. we go from here? Uh, <laughs> so basically, the kid uh, had learning disabilities or something like that. Yeah, and I don't know. You killed my joke, DJ. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jokes uh, on you. <laughs> I'll fuck it around. Yeah. On a lighter note, man, I'm, I'm I'm glad that you have a sincere part of your soul for these kids. They need it because a lot of teachers they just they just fucking check out. It's tough out no, there. I was, I mean, nah, I was gonna say I was one of them, but nah, I no, really, don't, don't get it twisted. <laughs> I think, I, but I think that they're they're. I think we could probably all point to a, a teacher that was pretty patient. You know, yeah, with well, that's a nice yeah. some, yeah, mm-hmm. probably yeah, um, yeah. We kind of straight off topic, but in, uh, in regards to the J Cole thing. Uh, there was a subtopic that me and Keith we talked about. Oh, it, before you move on, I uh-huh. think uh, I never really talked about it, but I just think it's dope. Like, and and it shows a lot of us um, that 
it's never really I, f- I always feel like and this is something that I've learned only recently like as long as you're still breathing you could pretty much accomplish you know all the things you want to obviously if you 50 years old there's no chance of really making it to the NBA or the NFL or something like that but but even for me like I had I always had dreams of making it to the NFL and never really materialized but if I decided like, you know, to join this men's football uh, flag football league or something like that, that, you know, seeing J. Cole do that just shows you like, yo, if you put the work in, it may not be the the goal that you, <clears throat> excuse me, actually set out to do. But there's always something something to it. And you you were we were talking about just the the metaphors that we learn from, you know, hitting a gym or from, you know, training in basketball um, and stuff like that. Even in that documentary, he was the it's so interesting that he created this whole basketball narrative to his right. to his albums. That's dope. Um, in in that documentary, he was relating making music to to like playing basketball. It's right. like, yo, I'm I'm waking up writing every day. He talked about his whole regimen. Like, you know, I go to the, uh, I wake up, I write a verse, I go to the studio, I do this, I work out, and then just do the same thing over every yeah, every single day. What it was, he, he talked about his scheduling was fucked up before. Mm-hmm. What he did is, is he has a studio built into his home. Mm-hmm. His his uh, family and stuff is upstairs, mm-hmm. and he just lives a very goal oriented lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that the only way to really it take your goals or whatever you aspire to do seriously is you got to trim the fat. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're a dude, if you really want to make it out in whatever you want to do, there's some things you got to stop. Like if you are wanting to be a musician, whatever actor, comedian, as you ascend, you can't be the guy that's always at parties all the time. You can't be the guy that's chasing pussy all the time. You can't be the guy that's um, behaving in weird or fucked up ways to women because all that shit is going to come back and bite you. Mm-hmm. So you have to start acting like you're already, you have to act as a person that has already achieved the platform, not from an egotistical standpoint, but from a goal oriented standpoint. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about if you're me, like J Cole already um, achieved these great milestones, but a guy like me or Keith or whoever, we got to be on a straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. Like you got to be the guy now, like, Hey, you want to do better? You know, Find you a young lady, man, uh, you know, that you met, get no, married you and get, a, get a relationship, do whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you out here trying to be Mr. Bachelor chasing pussy all the time, that's going to work against you eventually. First of all, mm-hmm. that is time away from your craft. Your craft yeah. Facts. That's that, that. Those are literally distractions. Like it yeah. takes time to even message a bunch of girls at one time. Yeah. Trust mm-hmm. me. I know. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like once you stop that, your level. We don't feel fo- bad for you, DJ. Nah, it's no, like <laughs> <laughs> once once it's like a certain level of focus that comes with even being able to say no to to doing those type of things. Yeah, because that takes discipline. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think that'd be at least for guys be the number one issue is like trying to you know leave girls alone, especially when you start getting any type of like notoriety for anything you're doing. It. If you're a good football player, basketball player, or any of these things. There, it's easy for you to talk to a lot mm-hmm. of girls, but when you're doing that, guess what? You probably missing practice for some of these girls, or yeah. you know things like that. So you just gotta block out any distraction. Yeah, I, I remember for me, um, it, it literally wasn't until I got to Iowa State that I realized that you can get better at things outside of like like sports. Because I always thought, you know, growing up, like, well. The rapper that is on the top of the charts, 
was just the most talented person or the artist that can draw really good. He was just super talented always. And, you know, that was just that was just it. But not literally not until I was sitting in class one day and the teacher or he was he's teaching a, a, a drawing course. And he was like, all right, guys, like, you know, make sure you practice these. You, you practice these, you know, every day or, you know, a uh, couple times a week or whatever. And, you know, next thing you know, you'll be is you you could be uh, become better at this. And right. I was like, yo, what the like you could get better at drawing. Um, so that's the the thing that I took away from this documentary is like J. Cole is already a good rapper. But like he was like, I haven't written my uh, best verse yet. So I'm going to just keep working on my craft until um I feel like I've reached the the climax of my skill set. So I think that's important for us as even, you know, as comedy podcasters or whatever. I don't think we've released our best podcast yet. So we're going to keep trying and keep on uh, doing research and you know, learning to communicate in better ways. And the, so thing, we get it. the thing is, though, do you ever reach your best verse or podcast or joke or any of that? Because you're constantly getting better. Mm-hmm. So every time. Your body is literally designed to every time you reach one limit, if you just willing to push yourself a little past that limit, mm-hmm. you're going to have a new limit every time. Mm-hmm. So once you do reach your best podcast or, you know, best joke, best verse, any of that, you're not going to be satisfied because now it's like, well, dang, how do I get better than this? Mm-hmm. And then you realize, like, because you've been working so hard, when you do reach that point, you kind of can't even see it because it's like. But that wasn't even that hard Mm because you built yourself up to be able to even get to that point. Mm -hmm. The only thing I took away from what Keith said is he said the word climax. Yeah. Eddie hasn't reached his best podcast. (laughs) 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 We're still working on him. (laughs) I thought this was still about (laughs) pussy baptisms. No, no. In all seriousness, though, I'm fucking around. In all seriousness, man. In all seriousness, all seriousness, man. I think uh, uh, he's right, man. You can get better at pretty much anything if you go back and anybody listen to this. Go back and listen to episode one. And then come back to this, like the the fluidity in which we speak, the things that come off the top of our head, the conversations, Mm -hmm. the quick witted jokes, very quick witted jokes, the things that we say. Mm -hmm. You don't get that by doing a pop like seven podcasts. You start to exercise a muscle in your brain that pops up and it gets stronger and stronger. The more you do and the more repetitiously you do things Mm -hmm. and it gets better and better and better. I don't trip over my words too often. I may stutter here and there or whatever. But my thing is, I've done this so many fucking times. And I'm getting better at speaking, mm-hmm. even even though it may seem like, oh, Eddie's pretty decent. I'm getting better and better at speaking based mm-hmm. on a repetition mm-hmm. and based on the conversations we have. And what else helps to what else also helps is the things you learn in the world makes you become a part of more conversations. So I'll be listening to a podcast about geography and all of a sudden, all of a sudden that topic pops up on the podcast. And now I have a more in-depth conversation about just random fucking thing yeah so yeah you definitely can get better you get better on stage doing comedy you get better doing podcasts you get better playing basketball you get better at having sexual relations you get better Mm -hmm. at everything Mm -hmm. ask bill clinton (laughs) that's also why too though if you if you're thinking about starting something and you just feel like i'm not good enough yet the truth is you're not going to be good enough until you just start and yeah. be okay with sucking at first. Like, be okay Pause. with... Or not being good. <laughs> <laughs> be okay. Be okay. They say, like, you got to be bad before you're good, and you got to be good before you're great. 
So be yeah. okay with like going through the process. Don't think yeah. like whenever you start, you're going to be good. Because the truth is, whenever you start, you're not going to be that good. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to be good for where you at. But on the grand scheme of things and like in the world's view, you're not going to be that good. The way I look at it, too, is whenever you're starting whatever, let's say you're starting a job. Let's use a job, for example. Yeah. You start a job. You don't know very much about that job until somebody coaches you up. You start learning stuff. But there's a person that's been there for years and knows what they're doing. But they're pretty fucked up to you. Like, oh, man, you don't know that yet. Or the way they treat people is fucked up. And you tell yourself, when I learn what I'm doing, I'm not going to be like that guy. Yeah. I'm not going to be like that fucking guy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help coach people up and treat them the right way. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know you're not on the level of the person that knows what they're doing, but you will be one day. When you're patient enough to actually learn and see all the nuances of that job or duty or whatever, mm-hmm. then it's you start to kind of, I won't say, if it's just a bullshit job, like you're not really going to care too much. But with comedy, you, you start to learn all the small, intricate details that make you better. Mm-hmm. You start to see where people are doing great on stage or where they're falling apart and you can see it more based on how much you've done this stuff. But yeah, man, it, it's, it's just, you just got to stay in the game. And do you think there's like, cause we've seen some, sorry, some comedians that um, they may, they may make us laugh in an awkward moment or whatever. Do you think there's hope for everybody or is it just, is it something that's in you or it's just not in you? Okay. No, there's not hope for everybody. Hell Some people no. just fucking suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, And that's for everyone. There's yeah. something that I'm going to be terrible in and I'll never be any good at. Just be honest. And, and at that moment I realized, Hey, you know what? Maybe I don't have the coordination for this and that's okay, but I'm great at this also. Yeah. I could, doesn't mean I can't, if I work towards something and give my all and I still can't hit a fucking baseball, chances are it ain't for me. Okay. Everything's not for you. Yeah. People be confusing gift and passion. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. You can be passionate. Pa- yeah. Your passion ain't always your gift. Yeah. I know some rappers that are very passionate, but they've been passionate for the past 25 years and uh, they haven't been uh, in Club Bricks performing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm passionate about music. I love it. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be some people we'd be seeing at these open mics and I'm like, yo. First of all, this is the same joke I seen from the first time I went to the Rocket yeah, Show. Yeah, 2019. And they still not hitting. Yeah, I can say this. First of all, the, the, the bashing of other comics or open micers is something that I don't like to partake in, but I'm thinking objectively. Like when I'm seeing people, I'm yeah. like, that guy's getting better. Maybe he wasn't hilarious. That guy's getting better, right? I'm even objective with myself. Like, no, I'm not killing it. I feel like I did decent or okay. I'm not killing shit, though. I'm still, I'm an open micer, you know? But Mm -hmm. I enjoy the process and and getting better. But there's some motherfuckers that like, dude, you are so unfunny. (laughs) You are not, (laughs) you're not even trying. If I had some fruit or tomato, I would fucking throw it at you. You are terrible. Stop doing this, please. You are wasting everyone else's time here. Un- unfunny, funny. It is. Yeah, it's just so bad. A funny word. What is a? I, mean, I need some more. I need. I need a, a, a more proper diction to describe poor people on stage. Because uh, it's not for everybody, man, and it's okay. But what I realize about like people that don't get a lot of laughs is it's also communication. Yeah. So someone that can't really articulate their thoughts, they're not going to be able to tell a joke 
in a way in which we understand where they're going. Like it was, yeah. a, it was a moment when we went on Thursday where DJ was like, "Where is this joke going?" And I'm just yeah. like, "I don't get, know." He's just talking. In listen, circles. if you only got five <laughs> minutes and we get lost, something. <laughs> How the hell you lose us in five minutes? <laughs> I remember one time we we all did an open mic and there was this really big dude that was there, right? Really big guy. And I think I was told somebody told me like, yeah, he's here all the time and he does this all the time. Like he just go up on stage and kind of blank out. And he almost broke the stage, man. Oh, I remember. Yeah. That. He was so big. The stage went. Eh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, fuck. Yeah, that's <laughs> and the, the, the hack shit that some people do. That's one of the most annoying hack things that that open micers do is they'll be like. Yeah, I'm really depressed, you know, and you know, like the depression jokes, I'm just so tired of hearing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. First of all, don't start with that. You just gonna put us all depressed with you? Yeah. yeah. So I'm really depressed. Don't and, bring you know, my energy down. You know, I'm have a good time. I, I sit at home and I jack off of looking at my cat, and it's just so depressing. <laughs> People are like, yo, somebody get that cat. <laughs> <laughs> Why you jack off looking at your cat? I, I like pussy. I. <laughs> 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 See, only comedians can do that shit. <laughs> he caught that one quick. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, we're all over the place. But no, um, this was a subtopic from the original topic of uh, J. Cole. And that was uh, recently the Breakfast Club, they elaborated on a line that J. Cole had where he talked about he stopped cheating six years ago. Right. And Charlemagne was mentioning how long it's been precisely since he stopped cheating on his wife. Right. And he he does this a lot. And I guess he got some pushback from people because they were like, yo, like, why do you have to keep mentioning when you cheated? I guess he had mentioned that his wife does not like when he does that because mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, it kind of reminds her all over again when he was running around. on. Yeah. It. And DJ Envy was like, no, I, I feel her. I don't agree with that. Like, I cheated on my wife and I don't like to keep reliving that. But he's like, yo, brother, but I'm proud of the fact that I'm not doing it. So basically, Charlemagne is proud that he can keep his dick in his pants. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, there was another girl that called, and she was saying the same thing. She was like, "Yo, I I was a person that got cheated on, and I stopped listening to the Breakfast Club because Charlemagne kept saying that." Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I don't think that there's okay. There's certain things you shouldn't pat yourself on the back for. Keeping your dick in your pants is one of them. Yeah, like you be like, "Hey, I didn't fuck any. I didn't. I didn't fuck people today." <laughs> hey, how's your day going? I kept my dick yeah. in my pants. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like somebody saying, you know what? I take care of my kids. Of course you're supposed to take care of kids, you fucking numbskull. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> you want a cookie for that? Yeah. yeah. We also got to realize how we would feel if somebody was doing that to us. Like, right. Because his wife had slept with somebody else, right? Yeah. So if he if she kept saying, well, I ain't had big dick in a minute. It's been like 10 years, 10, 15 years. <laughs> you know what's worse? What's worse is he said, I ain't had big dick in six years. So that means you ain't the one with the big dick. It's the motherfucker she's cheating on you with. <laughs> the, thing, <laughs> the thing is, too, we humans. Mm-hmm. So you're setting yourself up for failure when you keep bragging about what you're not doing. Because the minute that you do that, the world is waiting on you. Yeah, oh, to mess laugh up. you out of the room too. Yeah, mm-hmm. what's his name? Uh, De- Jackson. Derek. Uh, oh God, mm-hmm. Derek Jackson. Yeah. Worse. The world waiting on you to mess up because mm-hmm. had he just been a regular dude that was married that cheated, nobody would have said nothing. But no. because you sat there and pretended to be perfect, or I don't do this, Derek, I don't do that. Derek Jackson was not a regular dude. Derek Jackson was a guy that his message primarily spoke to women, and yeah. women want to believe that men are like him, and the idea of him is what 
had him basically having an all woman support team. Uh oh, by the way, women, for those of y'all, let that be a lesson. Mm-hmm. They saying all that extra so they could fuck y'all. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah but the that's the best game in the world. Oh like, yeah. The look, the easiest thing to do is tell women exactly what they want to hear. They fall for it every fucking time. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't do that. And you know what's crazy? You tell them exactly what they want to hear, and they be like, you're such a good man. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to have sex with you. No, you got a wife. <laughs> right. There you that go. Is, that's yeah, such oxymoron. Yeah. There you go. Nobody's talking about these women, though. They're <laughs> yeah. talking about Derek Jackson. Don't get me wrong. Derek Jackson's a fucktard. But I think that the women that are sleeping with him, they don't have no remorse. They were sucking dick knowing goddamn well he had a wife. Yeah, now, and then now people are making fun of his wife wearing a bonnet. Yeah. yeah. But, like, dude... This is the craziest thing about Derek, and I'm not going to stay on this too long, but Derek Jackson was writing books and speaking to women. You're writing books for women while your own wife isn't happy. What the fuck are you doing, bro? That's crazy. You focus on all these other women. That's crazy. Yeah. And not her, because you can't, what you can't do is think that every woman is the same. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to write a book to generalize how to make women happy whole time your individual woman is not happy that's crazy crazy. write a book about how to make her happy yeah yeah you got your wife out here wearing a bonnet man yeah on tv i i I always tell my girl i was like the reason you don't gotta worry about anything i'm doing is because i'm not out here like Charlemagne or Derek jackson pretending to be grandstanding as the number one boyfriend in the world or i'm this upper echelon type of dude i'm real regular yeah charlamagne it was funny charlamagne on the podcast was i guess he was referencing the the uh the bonnet on mm-hmm. Derek jackson's wife's head mm-hmm. he was saying it looked like she did the busted challenge and never came back up <laughs> <laughs> he was like he, out of line. he was like he was like we found love in a bonnet place <laughs> yeah. <out> of line. <laughs> oh man yeah no nah, man uh, Charlemagne also he talked about um on the podcast though he said that a man that is showing off the things he's doing for his woman is trying to get attention from other women. Yeah. I was like, fuck, that's a hell of a point. Because I know some dudes would be like, a real man's supposed to put uh, a dozen flowers on his wife's bed every night before she go to bed. And blah. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to get other attention from other women. You're just trying to get as much pussy as you can by showing women on social media how good you treat your lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Save that energy for your girl, man. Stop running around like, chill. But look, not to stray too far off topic, the J. Cole thing, the J. Cole line. Um, he basically said he stopped cheating six years ago, six years ago, because he was creeping around with hoes and realized he was the hoe. That's right? why I seen that line. Yeah. yeah. And uh and 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 DJ Envy just said, like, yo, I don't want to be rem- like remind my wife of that or bring up that trauma to her. And they was having a back and forth. He's like, but see, but I'm I, I feel good about it because you know, I've been like black men don't cheat and all of this, and it's like <laughs> Honestly, bro, I feel like you're kind of stroking your ego when you're doing this, dog. Like, if you couldn't keep your dick in your pants, that should be something. First of all, that's something you should never bring up again. The conversation of cheating, whatever. You say, I cheated. I'm I'm good now. I'm faithful. I'm in good terms with my wife. That's all that matters. And leave it, just shut the fuck up and leave it alone. You don't have to go into detail. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Here's another thing that men need to understand, right? And we talked about this on the pod. When you cheat on your wife or your girl... And, you know, they forgive you. You need to understand you just gave your wife a hall pass, sir. Mm-hmm. You don't realize it, but you give your girl or your wife a hall pass. And the, when she's when she's like, I'm going out with the girls. We got a girl trip to Vegas. And you think that that's the same girl that you married with. 
She's out there in Vegas sucking dick. I'm telling you. What's a hall pass? A hall pass is when you cheated on. Like, you basically. When you got to use the bathroom and then you raise your hand. No, nah, no. Nah. Yeah, because <laughs> hall pass sound like. I, I do see what you're saying as yeah. far as it's probably going to happen. No, it's going to happen, bro. Yeah, but I ain't got to be cool with it. Don't be like me. Be better to me, baby. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I think that our, our egos are so our egos are fragile in the sense that we can't imagine somebody fucking our wives or our girlfriends. But that should also motivate us to keep our dicks in our pants. Because yeah. to keep it one hundred with you, bro. I look. You know, there's been and there's been a good amount of women that I could have fucked that were married. But since I don't move like that, I didn't do it. But I could have absolutely. And these are women that have been cheated on by their husbands. So they didn't have no problem giving that pussy up. I just wasn't down with it. Yeah. Right. But truth be told, it's very easy. So, dog, that's another reason why you shouldn't cheat. Because your girl, you'll never know it. And she, women do the best job of covering all their tracks. A woman could have a whole long night of cheating and then you and come back and you'll be giving her a Gatorade. Oh, babe, I didn't know you was tired. Gatorade. She been taking all that big dick all night. That's why she tired. She been taking all that big dick. And now you giving her some Gatorade and fruit snacks. Not knowing that she been taking dick all night. Oh, we we are not in many ways. We not as strong as women though. What do you mean? They they are able to forgive that, and oftentimes we can't because we have things like an ego, mm-hmm. and we do. It sounds crazy, but we have higher expectations for y'all than we do for ourselves. Like, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like, damn, I saw me doing that, but like, I can't believe you would have did anything like that. Yeah, but I think that's that's, that's a lot of our problem too as men. The next time you want to sneak out on your girl, you need to imagine some dude fucking your girl from the back. That'll stop yeah. you. Right That'll stop you right there, cause it's gonna happen. Well, see, I can't, cause now I can't. <laughs> get, now, now I can't hit from the back because I'm like, this nigga just here in my brain. Think of Michael B. Jordan fucking your girl from the back. Next yeah. time you about to go. <laughs> yeah. See now, it's like I already pictured it. You didn't cheat it on me in my brain already. I don't even want it no more. Think of Denzel Washington. No, it's not even Michael you B. Jordan. It's a regular nigga. Think, think, no, you gotta you gotta think of the worst case scenario. Would That's you go, the worst. Michael be, B. Jordan is cool. It's not cool, but it's cool. Like I'd be like, okay, because you get I would it. Probably do that too. That's Michael B. Right? Just, <laughs> it's Michael B. Right. But I'm just saying, like, if it's some nigga that work at freaking Walgreens out here in Bakersfield, yeah. I'd be hot. Yeah, don't fucking nigga to work at That's, office. Don't see, fuck it, don't fucking nigga to work at office, Max. Come on, man. That's what. <laughs> see, I'm not. I'm super humble and, and calm and quiet and. Mm-hmm. And all that, but that's where I'm gonna get arrogant. <laughs> so you fucking him when you, you you act like you ain't been on the internet lately. You wow, <laughs> like that's where you, you get caught. Selling our shows. You left me for the manager of El Pollo Loco. Exactly, that's crazy. That's he what we doing. He giving her big dick and chicken. Hey, that'd be the <laughs> that'd be the, that'd be the hard part. <laughs> that'd be the hard part. Like if you go if you gonna cheat, do not <sighs> cheat. Do not cheat with a girl that your girlfriend about to clown you about. Oh, yeah. don't cheat with, yeah. with some trash, please. Oh, man, it's hilarious, man. But the truth be told, and I'm just keeping it a buck hundred. I just don't think that men, we don't have the we don't think about the long term effects of cheating, too, because what happens when women get cheated on, they carry it to the next relationship, too. Let's yeah. say that they they break up with the dude that cheated on them. Now they are working with this belief that all men cheat. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. It, it, and then if you cheat on them, if they get cheated on again, they just gonna be like, you know what? They cheat. He's not so bad. But I'm gonna get mine. So when we go to Vegas on when we go to Vegas on this summer, the hot girl summer, yeah. I'm, that's when I'm gonna get mine on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey man, I'm just saying. You do have to think about the the long term effects though, like you said. Mm-hmm. Also, as in depending on the girl you got, 
um, you got to ask yourself, is these, no matter how good this girl look, is these, you know, however long y'all last minutes, um, mm-hmm. is it worth, <laughs> is it worth losing what I'm, what I got? What yeah. you built too. Yeah. Because or what you're building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause you might have a girl that's super solid, like mm-hmm. literally can't see yourself, you know, being who you are without her or getting to us. Like you'll be sick without her. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's, you got to really think like if I was to get caught doing this, how hurt would I be to lose her? And then you got to be like, you know what? I'm going to have to go ahead and pass on that uh, pussy baptism. <laughs> yeah. That you spoke about. <laughs> yeah, man. I, hey, man. I, at the end of the day, I'm not. You're your own man, whoever's listening to this. But I would encourage you that if you make a decision to be in a relationship, stay true to it. If you break up, don't let it be because you couldn't keep your dick in your pants. Yeah. You know, maybe if you have... Those differences are irre- what they call it, irreconcilable, irreconcilable. I'm fucking up. They know what you mean. Uh, yes, you know what I mean. <laughs> Come on, Eddie, you got it. Yeah, say it. Recon- Don't treat me like one of your students, okay? Come on. You ever listen to the radio version of a song and they like re- reverse the word? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> <laughs> you got me sound like Missy Elliott. I said, put this. It's yearning from it from that neck. <laughs> no, that's the exact line that popped in my head. Yeah, damn. <laughs> oh yeah. Now, but to your point, I I I have a friend that um he was a uh, a habitual cheater on his girl, and <laughs> and it happened where um. He, I don't know what happened, but he just sent me like a screenshot one day, and it was him. It was like some a Facebook thread of her like talking to some dude. Wow! And going back to how men deal with it, he he was trying to put her out. He was throwing her clothes outside and the whole nine. And you know, I think if he if he put her himself in her shoes and he realized um, how he would have felt if the roles were reversed, he probably would have never done that. Yeah, but what uh, it, it just makes you calmer. It won't make you stay. It, yeah. goes, it goes back to know. what I said, though. Like you just gave your girl or wife a fucking That's hall it. pass. You, as a man, look. Here's the thing: in order to be a man and lead a woman, you need to be able to lead yourself first. So if you lead in a fucked up way and you can't keep your dick in her in your pants, if your girl choose to stay there, chances are she's fucking somebody already. Or she's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's because you led the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Am I blaming it completely on you? She's a grown woman. She could totally should be able to control herself. But that's not how women move all the time. Women, the way they treat you is based on respect. Mm-hmm. Women yeah. 110% move based on the respect they have for you. Yeah. You know, so if, if they fuck it off and you did nothing wrong, then she really is going to be sick. Because her punishment now is going to be going out into the world with all these fuck niggas. That's going to be her punishment. Yeah. Is losing your presence is her punishment. But if you fuck up, now she's like, okay, cool. Now I can get some big dick again. The thing Thanks is, though. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though. That's uh, Charlemagne's trauma, though. Oh, it's why, yeah. oh yes, so, right. She said, she said his wife told him the dude was yeah. bigger than him. Imagine yeah. her bringing that up every single time. He First of all, who asked that? I'm he not, did. He asked no, but I'm saying, like, who stuff. does that? Why would you ask that? I don't want to know no details. I don't want to know. Look, if you cheat, I don't want to know no details. That's gotta suck though, because if if you find out the dude's dick is bigger than yours, now you gotta imagine your wife like, ah, you got two traumas now. Ah, yeah. Uh. 
Don't yeah. tell me that because I gotta too get much. better. <laughs> 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 My <God>. stomach. God, <laughs> that shit's tough. <laughs> That's tough. Oh yeah. man, that's crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> This mm-hmm. is just hey, look, I'm pretty sure this mind fucks some people. They're mm-hmm. listening to it. Cause it's probably some dude that just got done with a long night of cheating. Now he's thinking about he just yeah, man. Hey, we wonder. we 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 are driven by ego though. Like we mm-hmm. can't deal with another dude being able to say he he has sex with your girl or mm-hmm. could have had sex with your girl or had her in any type of way. We can't really deal with that. Yeah, That'll that's suck. why we that's why it hit us harder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Men, you die, men die over shit like that. You Facts. see what happened with Tupac? That's why I fucked your bitch, nigga. And then Tupac ended up dead somewhere. Exactly. I'm not saying I was in a, I mean, I was honestly in a uh, similar situation in the. You had an East Coast West Coast beef? <laughs> nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. The dude, the dude that uh, so there's a girl cheated on her boyfriend with me, but when we were. Um, Prior to like it being like uh, like a real thing, like every all the whole party knowing what was going on, the dude there was rumors going around that the dude wanted to fight me. Oh, so that's like dude, you were saying, like people die over it, like that's and how that, men deal with. That's it. the dude that socked your glasses off that day. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but nah. but but <laughs> fucking with you, man. For for me, for me, depending on who it is. You do have to charge it to the game, though. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. if you didn't do, if you didn't mess with somebody else's girlfriend before, mm-hmm. you just gotta take that L. Like, yeah. yeah now, yeah. if this is if it's like your brother, like this is like, man, I trusted you with everything, mm-hmm. and you do that, we have, you know, we gotta mm-hmm. fight. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if it's just a dude that's like, you know, it's out. That's just somewhere. out. It's mm-hmm. like I'm not disappointed in him. He did what he's supposed to do. I'm disappointed in you. Yeah, he did yeah. exactly what That's he's supposed to. He's supposed to accept that if you mm. offer, if you, you know, making it available. I think that I mean it would suck depending on who it is too. Like if your girl cheated on you with some like party frat guy, like sorry, bro, I didn't know it was your girlfriend, man. I'm sorry, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that tone didn't. That tone didn't care. So, <laughs> so now, now I do want to fight. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I didn't even know, bro. Yeah. yeah. You giving it up to a nigga with boat shoes on? (laughs) You giving the pussy to a nigga named Travis? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I knew a Travis in a fraternity. (laughs) It's a dude named Tanner fucking your wife. Tanner, heck no. Oh man! All right, switching gears. It's mental mental health awareness month. That nigga still reverse awareness. And my mental health was been fried, obviously. But since it's Mental Health Awareness Month, um, I want to talk about the pros and cons of therapy. People think that there's no cons to therapy. Like, mm. therapy is never a bad thing. And I'm not saying that it is a bad thing. Um, but there are cons. One of them is, um, well, the pros are obvious. The obvious are that you get to um, unpack a lot of, whether it's traumas or things that you've been holding inside, which is the, the pro. Um, but the cons is... You may not be giving your therapist a lot to work with because you lack objectivity and accountability for your own traumas and the things that you could be putting people through. So they don't got a lot to work with. You could go to therapy every week and be completely fucking full of shit. Right. You're only divulging so much shit to make yourself look better than what you really are. Oh, just my thoughts on that. Yeah, man. See, Keith left. That kind of fucked yeah, you up. I, I, yeah, I just wanted to swear. But yeah, that- <laughs> uh, 
I, I, I do agree with that. I don't believe that you're helping. So the thing, so the thing when we uh, spoke about earlier is like when it comes to therapy or any kind of open conversation, mm-hmm. you need to go into that with an open mind and right. be ready to listen and accept what you're being told. Now, even if it's not true, you have to be able to accept that, you know, that's what the other person is, is saying or evaluating or taking away from the situation. Right. So accepting what they're saying does, does not always mean you agree, right. but you understand it. Right. And I think people mix up understanding and agreeing sometimes. True. I think that going to therapy, you you shouldn't be going to therapy for someone to agree with you. At all. But I think that people that are so mentally fucked up, they always need someone on their side. The most I noticed there is a trend. I want to say a trend, but there is a behavior in the most mentally dysfunctional, fucked up people. And it's like they always need someone to agree with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They always need someone to be like, see, David was there. See, David, what they tell me, David, what they say, David. Yeah. He'd be like, David honestly thinks you're a piece of shit, but the, you keep using him as a person yeah. that 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 is agreeing with your bullshit. Mm-hmm. A therapist is going to keep a neutral. They should be keeping a neutral stance and saying, hey, well, I'm not sure if you realize this, but I can see a trend or a uh uh, something that's allowing you to believe that this is a result and they'd be like I'm not even like that you're wrong and you're wrong because I know and it's like you're arguing with your therapist that's not that should never be a thing mm-hmm. you're arguing with someone that's trying to turn the mirror on you that's all therapy is therapy is taking the mirror and turning it on you so you could see like where you are and, and, and try to figure out your own psychology Yeah. but some people are so fucked up that they're past therapy man like you just need to just hang out and be around a bunch of other fucked up people at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Your shit's done, man. What what happens to some people too um, in therapy is that they are very intelligent and it almost works against them. Right. Because instead of coming in there and being vulnerable and, you know, like you said, turning the mirror on yourself and just understanding how your emotions work and stuff like that, they're almost using it as an opportunity to learn about therapy. Right. So they understand therapy in the sense that, you know, they they know um, you know, emotions, they know the reason why certain things happen, they know about trauma and triggers and all these kind of things, but they don't necessarily have the tools to fix themselves. There you go. And you see it, you see it a lot with, you know, like certain people um, you know, that even promote therapy. You're like I understand you're promoting it and you know, I understand that you you're uh you're very understanding of certain tools and stuff like that and you can you can uh, make certain assertions about other people but you're also doing things that lets me know that therapy isn't working on you no yeah Yeah. go ahead man i just feel like whenever you're talking to anybody it doesn't have to be even a professional you got to be okay with being held accountable and like you said looking in the mirror um I just think that some people be so afraid to look in the mirror because they know they're ugly. <laughs> uh, but I feel like you even signing up for therapy is acknowledging that there's a problem. So yeah. you don't go to uh, relationship counseling or therapy or whatever because your relationship is already working. You know that there's an issue and you're going in there to try to figure it out because you couldn't figure it out yourself. You're looking for help. So or why you would you then not help allow someone to help you? Mm-hmm. Or not to cut you off, but I was just going to say, like, you want to prevent the problems from getting there. 
Cause like yeah. for me, when, when, when I signed up, me and my girl signed up for relationship therapy, it was like, we was cool. And there, we was always going to be able to figure it out, but there was some things that we are, we just come from two different worlds. Mm. And like, I always treat like, and my older brother has the same problem. And I think a lot of men have this problem. Like when you grow up playing sports or you play football at BHS and you realize like the tools that we learn in football are great for life. You know, the work ethic and waking up and the, the uh, system and the consistency and all these things. But that is not conducive for a romantic relationship because when you say like, Hey, this is wrong. And your, you know, your, your go-to thing is like, well, tough it out or, you know, suck it up or, you know what I mean? I have freaking, I dislocated my, uh, my pinky and I, went to a seven on seven game that same night. You know what I mean? So this is the type of background we come from, but you realize when you get into a relationship, I can't quote coach Gola when you're talking to my girl. (laughs) She she didn't play football. That's why you like her. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's, that's, that's definitely, uh, it's different Mm because dealing with women, you can't be hard. You have to, you have to like, uh, you have to be soft. And mm-hmm. at times and mm-hmm. listen and because being hard, that's exactly how you run women off. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't think that that always applies. It, and, and 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 no matter how tough they are or how tough they be on the surface, they still have a softer side on the inside that you got. Of course. Yeah. I mean, we do, too, though. Yeah, you know we definitely do. Yeah. And, yeah. and evidence of that is we all like to be the little spoon. I don't know. Hey. Uh <laughs> I ain't gonna front. You missed with that one. <laughs> well, Keith, uh, Eddie, Eddie's bigger than us, Keith. He might not like he being a little spoon. Physically, beat a little spoon. Nah, so. yeah, so. I'm a ladle, nigga. <laughs> <You> just, <laughs> oh God, shit, damn, that's crazy. You just never felt so safe. <laughs> I let you know you got a softer side to you. Oh, how hard you want to be on the surface? <laughs> oh my goodness. But nah, that's real. I think. Um, the biggest, the the thing that I took away, and I don't have a personal therapist, so I'm, so I'm only trying to relate just personal therapy to a relationship therapist. But it it kind of goes hand in hand because you're you're learning. Um, it, it's almost it almost works better because um, you're directly talking about the things that affect someone else. Right. And most of your issues that you have in your relationship are also issues that you have. Um, you know, just with every other, you know, every other person. Right. Um, but you know, some of the things that I've learned and I talked about on a podcast before is just uh, empathy. So, mm-hmm. like I said before, when you know we come from sports and football and all this kind of stuff. So, um, and we come from also not really expressing our emotions and this mm. kind of thing. So, yeah, you you kind of go into the world thinking that the correct way to handle something is to not speak about it or not complain that is about so it. So wrong. Um, and that's that's not right. So if someone or if my girl would come to me about a situation that, you know, some sort of uh, emotion she's dealing with or a thought that she has, to me, I may dismiss it like, well, just take care of it or deal with it or whatever. Um, and that's not, or bringing a, um, a solution to her, which mm-hmm. doesn't show empathy at all. So like one of the greatest um, examples that I seen was, uh, there was this, it's, it's, a, it's kind of, um, you'd, you'd have to watch a video and I haven't seen it in a while, but basically there was this girl and it's like an over-exaggerated version of how mm-hmm. to show empathy. But there was this, this couple and this girl had a nail in her head 
And she's like, oh, my God, I'm just feeling so like there's just something wrong with me. Something is off right now. And then the dude is pointing out, he's like, it's the you got a nail in your head. And she's like, no, you're not listening to me. Like, I just feel like I, my head hurts. And I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, he, and then um, he's just trying to still tell her, like, give her solutions and stuff like that. And then eventually he was like, hey, I don't know exactly how you're feeling or what's going on with you, but I'm here for you. And then that would it just solved the problem and it made everybody in the situation like, uh, you know, feel feel like she feels hurt. Everybody is, you know, not on pins and needles and they are able to come to a solution. They're not on pins and needles, but she's on nails because there's a fucking nail. in her head. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I would be very soft if somebody had a nail in her head. I'd be like, look, you idiot. You got a fucking nail in there and you need to get it out. Yeah. yeah. Like, stop but talking. that doesn't make her feel good, though. Not That's at the all. real issue. Th- not at yeah, not to cut you off, but right. sometimes people literally just want to be heard. Like, yeah. yeah, so so you can literally like in a relationship, you can literally ask, like, do you want me to respond? Yeah, like, what do you want from me? Yeah, what do you moment? need? For, do you need me to just you know hold you and be quiet and listen, or do you need me to respond? And when they say that, they gotta also be ready to like know that I understand you, but I'm offering you perspective. That does not mean that I'm about to tell you you're right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they got to be okay with that. The pro- the problem that men have too is that we actually feel the same way as women, but it just doesn't materialize in the same way. So that was that was like stuff that I would like. Sometimes like I'd be like just venting about work or whatever the case may be, and then the same thing that I would do to her, she would do to me, and then it, it, then it brings it full circle for you. Hmm. Like oh. She's offering me advice, but I don't want advice. I just want I just want you to listen to what I got to say. I think the logic is delayed with women. I think mm-hmm. the logic comes later. Mm-hmm. I think that initially it's kind of like women are one of those like get a clue type things. Mm-hmm. Like if you ask them like you want me to hold you like what do you want? They'll just be like, like they'll still be frustrated. Like you're supposed to know. Mm-hmm. That does happen too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you're supposed to know what I'm, and it's like, yo, you giving me a headache trying to figure you out. But yeah. that—that's the communication part of it. It's like I need. It's okay for me to be empathetic, but you also have to. When I ask these kind of questions, you got to be able to like articulate how you want me to handle it. That's not how women move, man. They don't move on concurrent logic. We're talking about therapy here. We're not talking about like the ideal woman. Oh, no, not the yeah. ideal woman. I'm just saying, like, in general, like, we mm-hmm. men and women move differently. The dope thing about therapy, though, is that it's like you were saying earlier, which I've never been to therapy, so I don't know this personally, mm-hmm. but you, you mentioned that oftentimes they're not even saying statements. They're asking questions the whole time. 100%. Have you thought about this? Well, what about, how did, how did you feel when this happened? And, how, and it's literally just asking you questions to make you think about it yourself. Yeah, but I don't think that therapists learn the most about you by asking questions. Yeah. They learn more about you by just letting you fucking talk. And your responses to and, it. And I think that that's the best way to find out who a person is, just in general, just in life. Don't don't probe people. Don't probe people and ask them questions. Just let them talk. They mm-hmm. will show you exactly who they are, especially when they get comfortable with you. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. they're just talking and you're like, oh, wow, that was terrible what you just said. Oh, yeah, that's not how I keep, keep talking. <laughs> That'd be the crazy thing when yeah. somebody don't even... <laughs> When somebody don't even realize they just said some crazy shit, yeah. you'd be like, "What? You thought that was okay?" All yeah, right. they'll just be, it'll be just casual too. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, I would beat my girlfriend up only a few times, but it wasn't that bad. But you know, anyways, we were going to the store. They were like, "Oh, so you're a woman beater, huh?" That's not crazy. Okay, people do shit like this, man. Yeah, that's and crazy. you learn more about people by just sitting back and watching them. 
Dude, I think therapy is something that I should have probably, I, I probably should have got my degree so I could be a therapist. Yeah, I could see You that. could do it. I could totally just sit there and be like, yeah, this guy's fucked up. All right, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. All right, I'm not judging you, so I have to make sure I I, I show you that I'm not judging you. But deep, <laughs> deep down inside, I'm about to call the police. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could definitely see. <laughs> this nigga's a terrorist. Let me get. <laughs> I see Eddie therapizing some shit. Yeah, man. I just and my thing too is is I'm not full of shit. Meaning that I I can see the errors in my own ways. Yeah. Um, one thing I was gonna say too, just about therapy in general is. Um, in regards to therapy, if you never see a problem with how you are, then you'll never see it. I don't give a fuck how many sessions you go to. Yeah. If you have this block, it's like this block that you have. Mm-hmm. And 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 I feel like we're going to talk a little bit about Joe Budden later. But <clears throat> there are some people in your life. OK, have you ever gotten an argument with someone? And let's say, for example, they'd be like, well, if you did that, that wouldn't happen. And then you respond and you respond kind of angrily and they're like, wow, I can't believe you're acting like this. What's going on? They act like they're not even complicit mm-hmm. in the fact that you're mad. They're acting like you got mad out of nowhere yeah. when they're the motherfuckers that threw you the alley-oop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these are the people that go to therapy and they don't learn shit. Yeah. It, uh, it, uh, the way I relate it, I don't know what happened there. I felt like I was scratching. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, y'all, we got Biz Marquis in the building. (laughs) (laughs) That nigga keeps getting skipped. This nigga turning to Rozelle. No, what I was going to say is that um, we know people that that go to the gym that are not in good shape. We know guys like DJ Khaled that, point. that you know, he's promoting Weight Watchers and all this stuff. That's and facts. take his shirt off. That's he looks like mashed potatoes. So, <laughs> yeah. So you're saying just because you're there, you not don't mean you're doing it right. Yeah. Great point, There's Keith. people that, they just go through the motions. And I mean, the, and what happens to it, um, therapy is not necessarily a fix-all. That's because true. Because as, as long as me and my girl have been in therapy, that doesn't mean we're not going to get in an argument. It, yeah. it basically just gives you the tools to navigate, you know, your relationship and, you know, outside of a relationship, just navigating the world, <clears throat> navigating your, your emotions and stuff like that. Yeah, that was a genius <clears throat> take, man. You use DJ Khaled's fat body as an analogy. <laughs> Prove your point. Yeah. <laughs> he had a fat shame Khaled. <laughs> <laughs> you call him... You call them mashed potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> he D- probably can't even eat that right now. I yeah, think they his, or something. He was like. on a diet, he changed his name. <laughs> DJ Salad. Yeah. I'm dead. <laughs> they don't want you to eat croutons. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> DJ Khaled is Salad. super entertaining, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's uh, one of the best promoters in the world, too. Oh, facts. Yeah. I'll t- tell you what. His rollout was crazy. I'll tell you what. I, I don't have anything bad to say about him as a person. I don't know him. But DJ Khaled definitely is one of the most annoying motherfuckers I have ever heard. <laughs> you know what? This though? guy, man. <laughs> Some got to be about him, though, because yeah. everybody works with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I think that exactly. That, I think everything you see on the internet is a persona. I think in real life, he got to be a solid dude. Like, how do you get Jay Z and Cardi Nas- B said that? Yeah, yeah how do you that. get Jay Z and Nas on the song together and then not only get them on the song, have them there for the video? Yeah. Because you were solid. Have Hype, Hype Williams come out? Yeah, yeah, like he's solid and been solid the whole time. That's mm-hmm. how that's how you put together uh 
you know, we taking over and things. All these songs with multiple mm-hmm. high level artists on one song. Yeah, yeah, but see, the thing about it is, is I, it was something I was talking to Keith about. I was like, the best way to command respect is to be respectful to others. Yeah. So I think that when you when you are the example of like, hey, call me whenever you need me, I'm there for you. And you do that to everybody, they be like, yeah, Colin told me if I need him any time, you hit me up. You should give him a try. And you start to gain a reputation for being this reliable, kind-hearted, good dude. And then that shit fucking just, it just, uh, I'm looking for the right, the proper diction, but it just... It re- re- is it reverberate? It reverberates. <laughs> what the fucking word is I'm looking for? <laughs> Whatever. Well, anyways, <laughs> people God, get a sense for who you are. <laughs> What's going on with us today, man? Our mental health is breaking down on this podcast. <laughs> nah, Keith's uh, fucking up. I'm fucking up. I've done it. I've had a couple flubs this episode. I'm normally yeah. not like this. I ain't fucked up, but nah. But oh, I think man. with Khaled though, <laughs> you know how they say give people their flowers. Khaled not afraid to do that and never has been. That 100%. same way he was telling the girl in that video, like you're beautiful, you're smart, you're loyal. <clears throat> he would do that to another man, like yo, you're the greatest ever. You da 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 da. Like he not afraid. He don't have too big of an ego to tell somebody else, like yo, you great. And he tells you that without wanting anything from you. Yeah. So that's then when true. he do want something from you, now it's like, let me go over here to Kaladin. But he really offering these people something. Because a lot of these people, imagine you having a hit single that's not even a part of your own album. And you ain't got to really put them no money. You showing up for the uh, to record the song and then you showing up for the video. And then DJ Khaled going to take care of the rest. That's it. And you yeah. can perform that at your shows and whole nine. And yeah. yeah, like you said, it's just good energy. I think if you it, just look at his album, he got Jay-Z, Nas, technically Beyonce on there, Lil Baby, Justin Bieber, Justin Timberlake, Bryson Tiller, Her, Migos, Cardi B. Like, I don't even know how many Grammys that is, but that's, I don't know who else can put that type of work together. Nobody. Yeah. Because yeah. they would do it. The, the way you are or who you are acts as like a credit score, the way you treat people. Mm-hmm. You have high value when you are the standard. You treat people with respect. People take you seriously, you know, and you could get the things you want by being a good person. A lot of people have a very skewed idea of what being a good person is. They think that it's a weakness. If you show weakness, if you're nice to them, they'll run all over you. Like, nope. All you got to do is be able to control those interactions. If you think you could run me over because I'm nice to you, I'm just going to get rid of you. Yeah. I will only have people around that can appreciate my kindness. And then what's going to end up happening down the road is whenever you need something, it's some people that I know that if they like, oh, I need help. Uh, I'm trying to move. Anybody can help. I'll be like, hey, I'm on my way. Yeah. They'd be like, hey, I got some money to help you. Nope. I don't need your money. I'll help you out. No problem. Yeah. And that is some of the motherfuckers that I'll be like, you got to pay me like you, For you sure. going to have to pay me, but yeah. you, you good. Yeah. I think what one thing that, um, something I that I've learned just recently is that, um, a lot of these terms that we use as far as love and respect and all these things, it's more than just verbalizing it. It's these are it's actual actions. things. Hell yeah. yeah. So when we talk about, you know, just respect or something with DJ Khaled, he's probably somebody that, you know, does the action to the utmost. Yes. And that's why people appreciate that. Yeah. And and I'll tell you what, too, man, is, is he has a he, he probably has a very long track record of doing this shit. It's been years. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's the thing, man. I had a I had a thought right now that just escaped my brain in regards to uh, therapy right now. 
it'll come back to me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to jump from this topic yet because it was something very important. Mm -hmm. And then in in the middle of keep talking about it, it just kind of deleted itself. Uh, It's kind of like when you have so much information, mm -hmm. it's like my hard drive is starting to (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Got to delete some stuff. My micro SD is full. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to Khaled, man. But Mental Health Awareness Month, man. Let's take it seriously. Let's let's have conversations. Um, let's find a therapist if we need to do that. Yeah. Um, let's sit down and discuss our feelings with our wives or with uh, husbands, wives, whomever, <clears throat> and put it on the table. Don't be afraid to you know express yourself. That's a form of mental suppression to me. If I'm unhappy in my marriage or my relationship, me holding that inside isn't going to make my relationship better. Letting her know, hey, look, I- I'm just... I hate to say this, I love you, but it's it hurts me because I'm I'm falling out of love with you. I'm not happy with you. This yeah. is it's getting worse. And I want to rectify this relationship. We need to go see a counselor. And and then imagine what you can accomplish by making that first step. Then she's probably gonna be like, you know what, I feel the same way. We need to do this. Right? But if you never say nothing, that shit's gonna fucking explode, man. Yeah. That's what we are always said, like if if we harboring something in our relationship, it's going to come out in another way. And that's something I try not to do. So if I'm mad that there's um, freaking socks on the floor or whatever, I'm going to address it right then. I'm not going to hold it, mm-hmm. hold it in because we could be doing something. We could be having an amazing time and then something, you know, something else that goes on bothers me. And then I'm not actually mad at that. I'm mad at everything that led up exactly. to that situation. Yeah. Sometimes too, I don't think that you're like, you don't, you're not dismissive of other people's feelings. I think that sometimes you only understand things from your level of comprehension. Yeah. So I think that maybe if you with your girl and she says something and you like, oh, well you could do that on that time. And she thinks you're being mad when in actuality you're not. You're just only understanding it from your level of comprehension. Mm-hmm. And they may perceive it as you being dismissive or you having lacking empathy. So when you do come from two worlds, like here's the thing. Relationships and marriages are very complex because think about the world. You come from this background. She comes from this background. You have this religious belief. She has this religious belief. It's like needles in a fucking haystack. Mm-hmm. Think about how weird that is. You meet somebody, you get with them. And there's such a wide spectrum of people in the world. And somehow you're either expected to be married or find a good match. I don't think a good match even exists. I, I think I got a good match. Well, I, you got to understand what I'm saying. I don't think a good match exists. I think that we stay with these people and we make it work. Yeah, and you got to make it work. You got to make it work. Yeah. But I don't yeah. think that there's a match. I don't think that she's going to be this height and play basketball and do this and that. I don't think you're going to find that person, but the person you're with, you're willing to make it work. Yeah. Because it's, it's such a big fucking, uh, it's weird. It's like you're coming from two different planets. You, you never stop uh, learning each other because you never stop changing for real. Yeah. Like you, you always growing, but you also got to be willing to like deal with that person's growth. And then learn yeah. something new all the time. Yeah. You can't be frustrated because it's like, well, you told me this before and da 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 da. Yeah. Without understanding that they might have just changed now. Like something that might have been an issue or not an issue to them before may be an issue now. They better discuss yeah. that though. Yeah. That's, they, they, and they got to say that. It can't just be, you know, 
Like, I don't like broccoli anymore. Stop buying broccoli. When yeah. the fuck did you stop eating broccoli? Yeah, you should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tough part. We think about, um, I know, like, one of my friends has has gone through it where he's elevated, you know, his his economics and, you know, just his thought process and everything. And right. he's been with his girl for so long that they went through, a, like, a whole change. And I think about it even with, like, J. Cole, like, uh, we were talking about earlier. It was like, dang, I wonder how Jayco's wife is dealing with you know him just mm-hmm. wanting to play basketball now. And it's like you were saying, it's just important for somebody to like grow with you, but also just kind of like find ways to continually fall in love with the person that you're becoming. Yeah, but you, as a man, <clears throat> you really got to be leading the charge. Like, if your girl met you at 20 years old and you was the you know kind of party guy with the sagging pants and the the uh, 12 different colors on his t-shirt you gotta mm-hmm. go from that man to being the man that's trying to figure it out to the man that's still trying to figure it out but you've elevated to the man that's really getting shit done mm-hmm. women watch everything you do and they know you inside out mm-hmm. they may not communicate it but they know when you're fucking getting better or getting worse or when you're being when you're lacking um, you're lacking enthusiasm you could tell too by the way they treat you. You mm-hmm. ever seen a chick that's with a dude and she's yelling and screaming at him all the time and shit? She doesn't respect him. Yeah. She doesn't respect him because he, and then you look at what he's doing and you're thinking, like, hmm, if I was with him, would I respect this guy? So, so from experience, uh, my, my previous relationship, I was with from high school all the way to like two years ago. Hmm. And I think that that became the biggest issue was the change. So, mm. Like I said earlier, when I was in high school, I'm the dude whose teacher is telling them, you're not about to be nothing because mm. I'm not real into my, my grades. Got like it. I play sports, right. but when it's not basketball season, what I'm worried about grades for? That's that's not the right way to think, but that's just you're how it kid, was. man. Yeah. yeah. So I did not graduate. Well, I graduated, but I didn't graduate and then immediately go to college. Like I've tried college, but it's just not for me. So mm. to her, knowing that person, I'm starting out like not for lack of a better term, not shit. Mm-hmm. So then when you start, when you find something you're passionate about or that you're gifted at and you do want to find direction, mm-hmm. now they're having to deal with those changes. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like you go from not doing much to now you're trying to do a lot. Mm-hmm. So now I'm used to, like, yes, I'm telling you I want you to do stuff, mm-hmm. but at the same time, though, don't do nothing because I'm used to having you for all this time. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm losing time, I'm struggling with, like, the growth or... I'm on the internet doing stuff, so there's new attention coming. Mm, so, right. you know, dealing with girls' comments and things like that. Right. So I think it's easier for a girl who has to meet you a certain way, where you already the dude that's, like, getting the comments and the fact. attention, versus I knew you this way, and you're changing into this, and I, I'm i not comfortable with that. I, that's a tough I compare that to your parents, too, because sometimes <clears throat> in your parents' eyes, they never they never see you as the person that you're trying to become. Sometimes yeah. they have this this burnt image of who they think you are. And it's no different from a relationship. If the if a girl met you from at here, she also has to update her software with you. Yeah. You can't just be the one upgrading and then they're looking at you as this person that's still from four years ago. Yeah. Like that was that was uh you know DJ five, six years ago. This is upgraded yeah. DJ. So yeah. it's hard for women to accept that too. It, but w- with maturity, you you learn though. You you learn that, and this is like you, this is this could be uh, 
your girl, your grandparents, your mom, whoever. Mm-hmm. However, somebody is responding to you, telling them that this is what you want to do or this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. However, they responding to you is a direct reflection of who you've showed them that you are. That's a so, great fucking point. Yeah. So if if I'm telling you like, yo, I'm about to go be a comedian and an actor. Ah, get out of here. And you give me that reaction it's because <laughs> when I was trying to go to college, I did not do that. When I mm-hmm. when I tried to do whatever these uh uh, quote unquote, possibly pyramid schemes that people would say, or mm-hmm. whatever I've tried to do to, you know, succeed in something. If I have not failed but didn't complete these things, then you have every reason to be like, what's gonna yeah. make this any different? You have a paper trail of doing things incomplete or, or half ass type shit. And they seen that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so even if you have really changed, it's like, man, you gonna have to show me that because right True. now I don't believe you because yeah. what you've shown me, be, but in the moment you being that person, you like, I really have though. And you get irritated with, yeah, but it's okay. the, you get irritated with the doubt. It's a motivational it, tool. Yeah. It's not till later that you reflect. And then slowly they start to change. So like mm-hmm. when it came to comedy and acting, like, for instance, like I said, your grandparents could be somebody or your mom. So, like, mm-hmm. my grandma was the one who at first is like, this shit is like a hobby. Almost like you need a real job or things like that. Mm-hmm. Them conversations over. It's now it's like, mm-hmm. when are you going to quit your job mm-hmm. type stuff? You have to prove yourself through actions and deeds. Yeah. That's the, that's the only way you do it. So, I've, I've heard many comments, that, whether it's regarding this podcast. Oh, y'all still doing that little podcast? And it went from that to be like, man, y'all really doing that podcast, yeah. man. Yo, so uh, y'all got a Patreon or y'all got this? And it's like, no, we don't got a Patreon, but we're still. I think you start to. You can know something about yourself internally that will take people three or four years down the road to really comprehend and understand. And be like, he not playing. Okay. And you need to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you need to be OK with that because mm-hmm. it's like, OK, it's cool. I'm not even moving off the fact that you believe in me because here's the thing. People could love you and still not fucking believe yeah. you. They could yeah. be like, he going out, my son going out for that basketball team. I'm going to support him, but he the worst nigga on that team. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Doesn't mean they're not going to come to your games, but they know that you are underdeveloped in that way. Yeah. So, that was a uh, kind of to your point, too. When I graduated college, um, and the first time I seen my aunt, she was like, well, got to get a job now. Right? So fast forward to uh, just last month, there was a uh, this business thing going on at the church mm-hmm. and she messaged me like, Hey, they got this, you know, business thing. They take teaching you how to get loans and setting up your business license and stuff like that. And <laughs> it's kind of the same thing coming from full circle. Like you got to see it though. You know? it's, 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 it's two things though. It's, 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 that's their view of how you once were, mm-hmm. but it's also, that's their view of themselves mm-hmm. because all they doing is placing the limitations on themselves. That mm-hmm. So like, if, if I look at my son and be like, what make you think you go to the NBA? Mm-hmm. That's me saying, well, I couldn't mm-hmm. go, so what make you think you better than me? Mm-hmm. Instead of it being like, you can go because you're your own person and you well, really might be better than me. Correction. They're not placing limitations on themselves. The limitations already been there. That's the difference. The limitations already been there. They can't see outside of it. So they're looking at you and there's literally no belief in that that could be accomplished. But the same person that does that will go on and buy a Dave Chappelle special. Yeah, and support, How the fuck do you think he got there? Uh, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. But, that, but in doing all this stuff, you understand that the people closer to you, it's not that they're not being supportive. They're just more protective. Mm-hmm. They, they, this stuff, all this stuff, the podcast, uh, me doing comedy, somebody pursuing, you know, things that are perceived to be quote unquote bigger. 
those things are more, they get more pushback from your family because they, at least this is what I think. Right. They don't want to see you. They don't want to see you fail. They want you to do what's safer. Yeah. And it's safer, quote unquote, to do things traditionally, like go get a job. Mm-hmm. When really, if you think about numbers, it's just as hard percentage wise to go to college and go get a, a six figure job as it is to make it as an actor or a comedian. Mm-hmm. Cause how many people sign up for college every single day and how many people actually finish the retention? I think the retention rate, we used to laugh at the freshmen at our school. Cause you know, you go, um, you go in the fall and you come back in the spring. If you go the full year, you don't have to move your stuff out. Yeah. So we would laugh at all the, not laugh, but we would make jokes about like the people that, um, when it came time, uh, when the end of the semester at fall came and they were moving all of their stuff out, it was like, oh, okay, we get it. What they, you know, they mm-hmm. not, they dropping out of school. But yeah. like you said, it's, it's, it's diff. I mean, for me, it was difficult. I've been to, it was a journey for me to get my actual degree. 100%. You know? but and it a- wouldn't have been any, any easier. Like you said, if I would just ended up going to Hollywood and trying to be an actor or whatever. Yeah, but see, I don't think you get anywhere without risk. And I don't want to jump all over the place, but I'll say this in response to what DJ saying. People feel like it's the safer route, right? You know, get a good job, you know, get retirement, it's blah, proven. blah, blah. Right. But here's the problem. That's not safe at all. That is fucking dangerous. Because somebody else is in complete control of your life. Not only that, but you can fucking die, right? Here's the thing. You may die never pursuing your dreams because you did the fucking safe shit. That's a problem. We got to get out of that. By the way, back back in the day when my dad and, you know, my grandparents or whoever, you know, they work a job and, you know, they probably they would think about getting that gold watch in retirement. Uh uh-uh. uh. Now we are having very uncertain times. By the time we get older, we might not be able to retire until we're fucking Joe Biden's age. Yeah. No, thank you. I'd much rather pursue my dreams and make as much money as I can and change the lives of people in my lineage and whoever else by going hard as I can Mm -hmm. for something that's deemed as unattainable. When you're actually talented or good at something, those visions become more realistic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You can see it. You can see it. Dude, I swear to God, I'm not lying. God honest truth. I have some like daydreams about what I'm wearing, what I'm driving, who I'm talking to, whose hands I'm shaking. And I'm talking five, six, seven years down the road. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the thing about that is, is I don't really discuss that with too many people, but when you have the foresight to see, say, hey, I know this thing's going to be huge. I'm talking about top 30 podcasts in America huge. Yeah. I believe in myself. Mm -hmm. So am I a fool for believing that? Maybe if I had a, you know, was a part of a shit podcast, I'd probably be be stupid to believe in it. But when you have the, the, the support of the people and you get unsolicited support, so DJ, when when you're out and about, somebody, hey, I seen your, you know, your skit. Hey man, I seen you on stage. You're hilarious. You didn't ask them to say that shit, did you? At all. So that builds confidence and it lets you know, like, hey man, I'm working, I'm doing stuff, and that's contributing to my legacy. And, Let me keep yeah. doubling down on this shit. And yeah. then you get to a point where, and this is where you know you're doing the right thing. You get to a point where you literally, like. At this point, I can't see myself as anything else. There you go. Like, literally, like when I look at my future, it's like, I can't even tell you. Obviously, there's people who say, like, have a backup plan and all that stuff. I can't tell you what that is right now because I literally can't see myself as nothing else at this point because I've already showed you who I am. And every single person that has seen me, 
believes that I'm that. Mm-hmm. So now to me, it just feel like the right person just ain't seen me. Yeah, and that's all we waiting on. There you go. Yeah, but I just feel like you gotta once you see yourself as something, just don't move off of that. No matter who is telling you otherwise, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and that's just because they see you as one way. They don't see you how you see you. Yeah. It's like when they when they talk about uh, I hear Steve Harvey talk about your imagination. And it's just like a preview for the things that's to come. And the reason why nobody else see it is because it's your imagination. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes good. the worst plan B is a plan B. Yeah, because you already... You're already thinking about what think, if. What if. Yeah. Fuck that, yeah. man. You're going to die one day. We don't know when we're going to die. That's the, the biggest gamble is being alive. So when you're not putting forth effort to, to achieve this big, huge, monster thing, then the biggest risk you take is going day to day knowing you're going to fucking die and you're not going to achieve shit. Yeah, and people do a lot of things like, oh, because I have bills or they want some type of security. Right. So, so you're literally trying to survive rather than like trying to live. Basically. You're not getting rich off any of this shit. That's, None of that, it. that's my point. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> my, um, I have a, all of my family members, right? There's no one that I can point to that's like, that person is wealthy. So yeah. it's like, yeah. if we, if we knew this, like we, the apartment that my mom lives in, it's been at about, it's going to be 21 years, right? And I don't think my mom actually chased her dreams. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of people similar to my mom that is like, hey, you should go get a job or you should get your degree, whatever the case may be. And they're telling you this all while not pursuing their dreams, like yeah. not pursuing your dreams is going to get you to a place where you can actually live a fruitful life. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like true. you're going to be broke working a job. You're going to be broke chasing your dreams. Why not be broke chasing your dreams? Because the potential of that is out of this world. In the same yeah. way, in the same way, the same way I'm sitting here listening to you tell me all this, mm-hmm. it's the same way I also sat here and listened to you complain about your bills and how you don't mm-hmm. like your job and how Man. you this and how you that. It's all coming out the same mouth. You're just yeah. telling me this right now because we having this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that people forget that like, we all are individuals that what, what was for you, you might be happy with wherever you at, mm-hmm. but that's not what I, what I want. And because you have never reached where I'm trying to get to, you no can't dis- tell me no that. disrespect. Yeah, you can't even teach me or give me the advice to get there. Yeah. All you can do is support. Like that's it. And it, so that's the thing. Dang. My grandma might hear this. <laughs> I love you, Nana. But like, she's like the person that's like for a lot of us in our family, the epitome of success because she got like the nice house. That's where we out on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. you know, all that. But once you have a certain like mindset shift, you realize like, well, I do want more than that. Low key, all she can teach me is how to get there. So that's not enough. I can listen yeah. to your advice, but if it comes from a, a place of you just don't understand me or you're trying to tell me that I can't do it or you don't believe something, then I don't have to take everything like all your words is just like, that's it. Because you're not where I'm trying to get to. Mm-mm. Yeah. You have like there's here's the thing, man. You don't have you're speaking. You're speaking limitations into my life. I, I can't. I me and you cannot coexist on that level. Yeah. You know, when you want to tell me about taxes or something. OK, cool. But don't tell me about shit else. And this is no slight to my dad or anybody in my family. I love them. But at the same time, where I'm trying to go is the road less traveled. I do a job every day. I don't love it. I don't yeah. love it. it. It gives me money. I'm not getting rich off that shit. Yeah. I don't want to be a truck driver in my fucking 40s, 50s. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I've made it up in my mind I don't. But I make sure I get in this studio every week to do this podcast because I know 
like deep down inside, especially with the amount of money motherfuckers are making doing it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off. It's an investment. Like it's a it's an investment not only from you know uh, uh, you know I guess from a monetary sense, but it's an investment in the people, and the people are investing in us. Every time we do a podcast and someone loves it and they tell a friend and then they tell a friend and they tell a friend. Imagine how many fucking friends and people can be impacted in four or five years. Yeah. Right. We don't even really have at that point. You don't even have uh, listeners or fans. You have like a big family of people. It's loyalty. It's loyalty. Mm-hmm. What it's crazy to me sometimes that people even take the time to listen every week. Yeah. Like I'm a truck driver. Keith's. D- directs films and like we're not two super big popular guys mm-hmm. and people take the time to listen that's a big deal mm-hmm. but the, the problem with it too is if you got somebody trying to tell you about podcasting here let me give you a mic nobody's gonna give a fuck what you're probably talking about yeah no no offense but they're mm-hmm. probably not gonna care so you don't you're not standing in a place where you could tell me anything that's it that's thing, the point I'm trying to make. the thing about that too is that it it doesn't create for open communication a lot of times because no. when you when you are raised in that environment where you know maybe your ideas get shot down or right. people not necessarily believe in what you got to say, um, you know when when something does come about that's like exciting for you or you know you may get an opportunity you may get a show or something like that you'd be scared to tell that person I was doubting you because. You like, yo, they don't believe in me any anyways. Like, you know, that's true. And, and it's like you want to tell them because that's somebody whose opinion you care about and somebody you love. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing that those people can do, if they don't have the knowledge, is to is to literally just be supportive and don't yeah. don't say anything negative. Keep it neutral or keep it positive, and that's it. Because I don't. It's like I don't need you to help me. I don't need any of that. I just need you to be proud of me. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's literally it. And, I, and I'm telling you this so that you can say good job or and that's not for everybody. That's just for those close to you, like your parents or somebody. You and know, and also. Ahead, a lot of this stuff, like what happens. Quickly, like I feel like a, a lot of times when you come to your parents and you say, I want to be an actor, they going to say something about school or any of that stuff. Not realizing school is going to take four or five mm-hmm. if you want to be a doctor eight years, things like that. So imagine if I put the same work in that I would in school into four or five, you know, however, eight years of doing this. Like, so don't not say nothing to me about school. But then when I tell you I want to do some something else, now we have a problem when it's the same thing. I think it makes sense, but I think the smartest thing you could do is completely fucking remove expectations. Completely remove expectations when it comes to uh, how someone should perceive what's going on too. Because... They don't even know where to start. This shit is foreign to them. Yeah. Now, if you told them I want to be a fireman, my son, a fireman. All right. Mm-hmm. But you tell them you want to be a comedian. They're like, what the fuck are you doing with your life, man? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so if there are certain people that you should coexist with with that type of information. When it comes to like if you inbox me, I'll be like, oh, for sure. Here's so-and-so's. First thing I did was send you when you sent me about the, co- the comedy. I sent you his information. Yeah. I didn't say like, oh, so you think you're funny, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to make people laugh, huh? Yeah. I just my thing is if you tell me that you want to do something, I'm going to take it seriously. But that's me, mm-hmm. and that's Keith. But most of the world is not going to give a fuck about your dreams. But it's because y'all, you guys are like minded, and y'all pursuing something too, right? You guys are not doing 
like regular jobs and things like that. And that's no disrespect to anybody with a regular job. Everybody's necessary. But Damn. you're not you're not gonna understand the mindset of somebody who is pursuing something that's right. low key, borderline crazy. Yeah. You, know? you gotta be a little bit crazy to to be like, you know what? I'm about to go do that. Like, yeah. like you have Man. to be crazy for real. Mm-hmm. And you know what makes people really believe in you and we'll move on from this, but it's the fact that when they're in close quarters with you and they can see that you're serious and they your actions show that you're serious. Yeah. Now they they the investment, I'm and it's not even like I'm not even talking about from a monetary sense, but their investment in you is very direct and it's very serious. Yeah. Because they see with your actions that you go on the open mics, that you go in the shows, that you talking to all these comedians, that certain comedians is following you and you following them and y'all communicating. That's when you. That's when they know that this guy's serious about this shit, yeah. and then that makes you feel good. That makes you want to work even harder. Yeah, because yeah. people have made the investment in you that you're making into your own career. It's it's a great feeling, man. But oh. I know there's a lot of people that really do, do not give a fuck about me. That's fine. But you care. You you'll care in the next few years. I guarantee you that much. What do you, What do you guys think the world would look like if everybody made a living off of doing the thing that they loved? Um, there would be no need for jealousy. There would only be um, support, mm-hmm. um, a lot of smiles, uh, a lot of pussy baptism, a lot of, uh, <laughs> just a lot of joy, man. I think mm-hmm. there would be a lot of joy mm-hmm. I, that, if I had to narrow it down. Mm-hmm. I, it's tough because we do need balance. Mm-hmm. So mm. if everybody was a I mean, I guess what you love don't always mean an entrepreneur because some people, yeah. but I just think that who will work for who? Because I don't think anybody loves working for anybody and we all, you need employees and you need, I don't know, it's tough. Yeah. Like, I, I think that everybody got value. So mm-hmm. there's people who have the mindset to work for somebody. There's some people who have the mindset to start the business that people will work for. Mm-hmm. And I think that Every single person is necessary. Nobody is better than the next person. Like, I respect the person who really can go to a job, the same job, for however many years and become, you know, and, and live into retirement and mm-hmm. all those things. Like, you need somebody to drive school buses to get the kids That's to That's a fact. Yeah. But, yeah. but I say that to say, like, there are... If we... There are people that dread going to work. At, like, for me, when I was working at the school... Um, I dreaded going to work every single day, but there's somebody that smiles when they see yeah, the kids walking into the there. school. Yeah. yeah, but just all putting all those people in those positions, and you know, have me somewhere Facts. else doing something. I'm gonna tell you this much: there's somebody that absolutely loves making burritos at Taco Bell all motherfucking day long, whistling, and them motherfuckers finally probably fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the way they make them. Yeah, they making them burritos like they like. They're making them burritos like Eric Thomas himself has spoken his wisdom yeah, into their minds. <laughs> when you make a burrito like you want to be successful, then you'll be successful. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Now you get in there and make that crunch wrap the right way. <laughs> them uh, cinnamon twists. That's crazy. <laughs> All right, man. Switching gears. Uh, recently, uh, hit podcast, the Joe Budden podcast featuring... This guy, man, your bladder's fucked up. What's going on, man? You only 29 with a Keith 40. Keith got it. Keith got a UTI. Yeah, got 
It's Keith Keith Penn, like he got an STD or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, hit podcast, the Joe Budden podcast featuring Rory and Maul. Obviously, if you guys follow that podcast, uh, recently it's down to members, Rory and Maul. They had a brief, um, I won't say a brief, but they they had a disagreement uh, in which eventually uh, Joe Budden fired Rory live on the podcast and Maul chose not to come in. Um, basically just yesterday, Rory and Maul spoke their piece on a, on a, it was like a one and done podcast and they just told their truth. And you see the, the dynamic of this podcast and how it all fell apart. And it's, it's really fucked up. Um, there was, there was discussions over money. Um, you know, a lack of transparency in the business, um, the lack of real information, I guess. Joe Budden had mentioned that he was their boss when the only thing he owned was the intellectual property. He owned the IP, but he wasn't their boss. They were percentage based partners, which means the overall percentage. They they basically got a percentage of what the podcast made. Um, So to make a long story short, this podcast got brought up um, and I mean, it got broke up, excuse me. And now you got replacement guys. I think it's what's the guy's name? Keith Ish and what else? Ish and Ice. So they had a recent podcast that had a therapist on there. I guess it was Joe Budden's therapist, right? And man, it revealed a lot of things about Joe Budden. Now, I don't want to lead off by taking sides, but from what I've seen, is it seems like Joe Budden is a walking confrontation. Mm-hmm. Like this guy is a ticking time bomb. The way he deals with people and how he has he doesn't express himself is bad. But I think that two things are true. I think that that Rory and Maul are too passive, and I think that Joe Budden is too consuming. He's one of those people that if you spend enough time around him, you'll want to fuck his ass up. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like me and Joe Budden couldn't coexist for too long because I would probably end up physically assaulting him. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> being honest, because mm-hmm. that, that guy is wild. That is a wild boy. Mm-hmm. I don't got time for that, man. But yeah, it just comes across as that show, it lost its steam based on the fact that their whole friendly dynamic was deleted. Yeah. If you disrespect me off air and we get on there, I can't act like we're friends now. Mm-hmm. So you've yeah. seen the very low energy um, that just was in the room, reverberated in the room. See, I finally used the word correctly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think... I think the thing that um, I realized about... I got to pull the Keith. I got to pee now. <laughs> one thing that I realized about a lot of the uh, the breakups... Shout that out we, to R. Kelly. God damn, this nigga is... <laughs> huh, oh, bringing man. the house down. Um, but the thing that I realized about a lot of the, um, the breakups, whether it's freaking Rockefeller or the Backstreet Boys or uh, One Direction or whatever... It's like last two you just named was sad. (laughs) But go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) But no, it 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 starts out as um I don't know about One Direction. I think One Direction was actually um like just thrown together from uh Simon Cow, whatever. But whatever. I feel like it's weird that if they one direction, I just feel like they shouldn't have been able to part ways. (laughs) It's a fork in the road somewhere. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) Is it a two way street or are we going one direction? (laughs) No, but um Basically, I'm saying like somewhere along the lines, generally it starts out as just like this friendly dynamic. 
and then when when there's a, a business dynamic that gets introduced and um you know there's there's money involved there's contracts there's tours there's um just you know different things that we have to worry about outside of the content and our friendship i think that's what uh leads to these these breakups cuz you see like and i don't know what the genesis of of rockefeller was but um you see like whatever happened like at the beginning of it it was it was all good music videos you see uh dame dash and you see jay-z and uh the big pimpin music video all on a boat and having a good time and now it's to the point to where they don't even like talking about each other like you see dame dash in the interview and you know he'll he'll mention jay-z but he don't talk about him um as candidly and 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 jay-z as well he rarely speaks on on dame dash but it's one of those things where I don't know if I don't know if it's this idea of like we weren't really friends if business broke us up or and you know like some of the ideas that people have as far as uh making our money only makes you more of the person you really are or um I don't know it's just unfortunate. I think that is uh it come down to gr- to greed really. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that you should be in a in any type of relationship worrying about like well, why why does this person get more? Yeah, get what you get what you uh, deserve, mm-hmm. or you know, I feel like you if you're paid correctly for for what you're putting out, then it shouldn't be no issue. And as friends, we should be able to have that discussion openly. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I left off. This nigga just jump in, huh? <laughs> I got the pulse, man. I got the, I got the pulse and the energy of the podcast. Now that my urination has been de- deleted, I have some things I, I wanted to ha- get Not off right. my chest. I heard Keith, you said something about the Backstreet Boys breaking up. Mm-hmm. That's where I left off, mm-hmm. and I guess I guess that um, that unit or that unity just wasn't working. But mm-hmm. I think they're getting fucked by their manager too. Oh, that's not the way they wanted it. <laughs> Backstreet Boys, B2K. That is that not band the way R. Kelly that was not what they were talking about. <laughs> Tell me why it ain't nothing but a podcast. Yeah, they did not want it that way. That's crazy. Don't stick it in there. That's the second <laughs> remix. <laughs> From the Backstreet. That shit crazy. That is wild. <laughs> that's wild. But no, what I was basically what I was saying was there's a lot of um these groups or like these businesses that start out with people and they're they're like really good friends at first and there's no money involved. Um even if you think about uh new edition, you know, just the way they kinda now is to the point where I think uh Johnny Gill owns a name or Crazy, something yeah. weird like that. Like yeah. it's just so it just it just gets really tricky and I think it I think it points more to the character flaws that people have versus um, the actual friendship dynamic or the business. Because you, you, objectively, when you see a guy like Dame Dash, and I don't know him on a personal level, but I do know people that have dealt with him, you don't see like you see a person that's kind of difficult to be around at times. Uh-huh, you know, he's screaming on people and yelling yeah. at yelling at people and you know, he's going on a breakfast club and he's not letting people talk and yeah. you just be like, I can see how somebody may get tired of being in business with you. Yeah, because your your personality is too consuming. Mm-hmm. You 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 
you feel like the way you do things is right and everything else other people are doing is just wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people, I literally, I really believe some people are impossible. Yeah. I really believe that. And those are the people I stay away from mm-hmm. because like I mentioned before I went to the restroom, I would probably end up physically assaulting them. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's the best way. That's you, why Rory was saying. Yeah. yeah. Trying to invite him to his hands. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. And and they talked about, was it a, a Gilly the Kid? When they, I guess he had said something. Gilly talked about you know, Joe getting punched. The Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, was it, it was Wu-Tang? um, who was it? It was Wu Tang. Was it I forget the deck? Was it? No, I forget who it was. Oh, I think was it you got? I don't remember, but I, don't I do know. know somebody. Somebody uh slapped him or something like that. Yeah, yeah, man. Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Yeah, yeah exactly. Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to <laughs> fuck with. <laughs> got slapped. I get slapped. <laughs> I can tell by the way he acts. He's been beat up quite a few times. <laughs> I know people that act like that and you'd be like dude you didn't learn from getting your ass whooped some people don't yeah. learn uh, I remember this guy I'm not gonna say his name but when I was uh, I think I was a junior no I was a senior and uh, my house was like down the street off of K Street from Bakersfield High School and I remember it was it was during the off season and I was walking home and this guy got socked off the get bus he got punched off the get bus and this guy was a dickhead. Mm-hmm. He was on a track team, by the way. His stupid ass. He went to practice with a black eye. But he got socked off the bus. And then he told people, like, I beat his ass. I'll, I'll beat his ass. You know, he, he, get, he got me with a slick one, but I beat him up. And I'm like, dude, you did not learn from getting your ass whooped. Mm-hmm. I was standing there. Mm-hmm. At all. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you came to school looking like a raccoon after that. Mm-hmm. That's funny. <laughs> people don't learn. Some mm-hmm. people are impossible. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you missed the bus. <laughs> hey, yeah. they, they had to go. I remember this nigga got socked off the bus, and then the bus just took off. Yeah, they, <laughs> they didn't even stop. They had to get to the next. Time. It's like, dude, you're not gonna. After you get socked like that, you need to sit down. Like, yeah, cool off, man. Don't come on this bus. I think. Mm. I think going back to the original topic, I think what happens like, um, is people become very lax, and rightfully so. I feel like, um, you know, whatever business dealings we have, even in this room. It shouldn't be super like strict where a bunch of lawyers got to get involved and stuff like that just because we have a, a great friendship dynamic. But we talked about before, like where some, somehow an ego comes in or um, what what happens and you can hear it when when Joe Budden speaks is he because it's the Joe Budden podcast mm-hmm. and he owns the network and all these kind of things. He he's he, he's feeling himself. He, yeah. know, he knows yeah. that it's my network. He knows my name is on the podcast. He I knows pay. when people reach out to me, it's because of the Joe Budden podcast. Mm-hmm. And that stuff could go to your head. You know what yeah. I mean? That's the, that's the thing, though. You can never lose sight of, I could not be here without these people. Yeah. So, so it don't matter if your name is on there. Rory and Ma are associated with the Joe Budden podcast. That is yeah. all of y'all's. That's just your name. Mm-hmm. You can't lose sight of, I would not be here without these people. Mm-hmm. And I think that when people start to do that and become that full of themselves that they just forget, that's when you run into problems. Mm-hmm. And it's like you were saying earlier, like the show is not going to be the same without Rory and Maul. No. Because that was their show. That was not Joe Budden's show. And they was just two random dudes there for him to talk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I told somebody this before. I was like, imagine how difficult it would be for Michael Jordan to win a championship without Dennis Rodman. Now, he won before Dennis got there. But before Dennis got there, they had other role players, you know, Bill Cartwright and, you know, the Horace Grants of the world and all these people. 
But the thing about it is, is there was a contribution <clears throat> made by everyone. Mm-hmm. People say, Michael Jordan won by himself. You don't know basketball if you make that statement. Yeah. You don't know basketball if you make that statement. You fucking forgot about Pippen and Tony Kukoc and B.J. Armstrong and Steve Kerr, who hit the final shot. At, or, or, no, wasn't Steve Kerr, John Paxton. So what I'm basically saying is, is that contributions to something is, is major yeah. It can help make something like it can help create a whole thing. But if you got my, Michael Jordan's getting his ass whooped every year by the Pistons, scoring sixty and getting put out, and getting put out. Yeah. So Joe Budden can make the point all he wants that oh this is my platform this is that it could be your team. But look at Dame Lillard. Dame saying, Lillard, uh, one of the best players in the league, can't fucking get out of playoffs uh, hardly. A, a great a great leader uh, gives all credit and takes all blame though. Yeah. So like when you hear LeBron James speak. LeBron could literally have 50 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, like all the stats in the world. And the first thing that come out of his mouth is, my teammates did a good job of putting me in position. To da, 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 da. Like he's giving the credit to those who are, who are around him because he understands that without a team on the floor, I cannot play against five people by myself. Even, so no matter what my- cut you off, but even outside of that being true, the – how that statement makes other people feel and how hard they're gonna work for you yeah exactly yeah Yeah. you throwing niggas under the bus ain't nobody trying to work with that yeah and that's what joe Budden did okay this is what i made this statement earlier and this is where it is more true than any time you can don't use the word boss or leader too loosely people do it too much right being a boss i'm a boss or a leader you can't be a leader of men or a boss until you could lead your fucking self Mm-hmm. So if you have all these problems and you call yourself the boss or leader, you disrespecting people, poor leadership. You're not holding yourself accountable, poor leadership. You have a paper trail of being a fucked up human being and you got the nerve to say, oh, they was doing this or they wasn't enough. Would you you fucked up your own podcast and you people forget that it's such a blessing to speak on a microphone and get paid that much money. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. The microphone is power. Yeah. It's but like, dude, you guys are blessed. I, th- I think one thing, too, is kind of going back to our conversation about therapy and relationship therapy and stuff like that. Um, you start to see patterns in certain people. And if <laughs> what happens is, say, say there's a person that has been through a, a guy like uh, Kevin Samuels, for instance, I think he has like two divorces, right? Yeah, right. But when he when he speaks about it, he, I don't know if he's ever if he's ever taken the blame for you know anything that he's done in those relationships. He's a person that says, "Well, now I just have to find the right person that's willing to be submissive and all these kind of things," right? It's like, come on, um, or just a person that um, you know has lost six or seven jobs over the course of their lifetime and they always blaming it on like I, I have a friend yeah. whom shall not be named but he's a person that always thinks people was out to get him and I remember once he sent me a video of uh, the altercation that led to him being fired oh god and I seen it and oh I was, my god I, I didn't tell him this but I was like in my mind, I'm like, bro, you wrong. I seen you, it, you, man. Yeah, you put your hands on the person and that's why yeah. you ended up getting fired so um, there are some people that move through the world like this and they're never able to check no. themselves. And they always think that 
other people are wronging them. And then what happens too, what makes it even worse, there are some people that are validating those thoughts that they have. So they're just moving on from partnership and relationship and um, different businesses and different jobs. And they still have this mindset that they can do nothing wrong. Yeah. And that's terrible for business. You're moving through different situations with the same unwavering ignorance that you've always had. There's no point of putting yourself in new settings and you're the same fucking idiot. Yeah. Why are you? <laughs> it's like you are in different settings, in different rooms with the same bullshit. Yeah. Nobody's putting up with that, man. That's why you need people around you that yeah. tell you you're wrong. It's like earlier when you mentioned like uh, laughing at my bad jokes. Don't do that because that's not about to help me get better. Facts. Tell me, tell me where I'm wrong and I'm okay with hearing that. Because I'm definitely about to tell you where you wrong at, especially if I'm involved. Right. I can't let you be out here moving crazy with me. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm in dangerous situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, this this Joe Budden stuff, man, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because, um, like he mentioned, you talked about the subject A or whoever you just mentioned now, which I know exactly what you're talking about. Subject A. <laughs> yeah, we we'll just call them subject A. <laughs> uh, some people will never see a problem with how they're behaving. And, and as long as they do that, they're going to keep having failed relationships. And they, and here's the thing, the most fucked up thing. If you literally had a movie and it showed a track record of all the things that they've, the same behaviors that they've replicated with all these people, it'd be a fucking three hour film mm-hmm. of all the, the bridges you've burned, all the people that have left you because they felt disrespected, all the people who have felt wronged, all the people who felt cheated. It would be a big story. And the thing about it is, is Joe Budden probably the type of nigga that will never admit how bad he treated people until he's on his deathbed? I just want to apologize to all the people that I hurt. Well, yeah. it's too late, nigga. You about to die now. Like, <laughs> you ever hear stories about people that are on their deathbed and they say and they'll tell their kids or something like, "I always, I, always, I feel like I let you down, son, and I just want to tell you I'm sorry." Mm-hmm. I mean, nigga, you thirty years too late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had no problem being a complete dickhead your whole life. The trauma already set in. Yeah, it's already there. Mm-hmm. The fuck are you talking about, man? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 bad. And it, the cra- the crazy part too, we didn't even get to is that I always say anyone that has a therapist need a therapist. Yeah, and and meaning that I felt like for me, I would I don't have a personal therapist, but I would have been able to. Or I am able to navigate through this world without the the. Yeah. My God! Every time we start this podcast around this time, there's always somebody with mental illness downstairs, <laughs> and they're yelling, and we could fucking pick it up on our mics. God damn, yeah, dude! It'd be wild. But I feel like for me personally, I, I would have been able to navigate through this world without causing you know people any trauma or passing on traumas or anything to like my kids or anything like that without seeing a therapist but there are some people that if they didn't see a therapist they probably would have ended up in jail or they probably would ended up hurting somebody so for a guy like him you know joe button who who's had a therapist since he was a teenager or something i think um it's just unfortunate to even hear the conversation that he's having with his therapist He's treating it like a freaking podcast or a debate show. He 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 treating his therapist like Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. Huh. It's like he, he's on there like saying like this is where our uh, disagreements come, and I don't agree with you on this, and I don't agree. It's like what are you talking? This, this is, is not a debate, motherfucker. Yeah. It's therapy. Yeah, yeah the fuck is, is wrong with you, man? <laughs> this is 
just an evaluation. You, I'm just telling I, you what I, I see. I have a I have a boiling point. Like I feel like with me, I have a boiling point for bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like I will sit back and say absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I will say nothing. But eventually, I'll be like, "Hey, hey, chill out. You're full of shit. What the fuck are you doing?" Like there was a recent that show that we uh, that uh, that I was at, and there was an exchange between the first uh, the first uh, the first comedian and the DJ. Yeah. I remember that oh, shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was about to, and he kept not wanting to play her song, right? And well, I was, was about, eating. I was getting. He annoyed. was eating and like doing that. I was like, I want to be like, hey, you fat fuck, just put on a fucking song. Like yeah. people paid money to come here. Stop ruining the experience, you dickhead. I feel like I feel like he was too embarrassed to say that as the DJ, he didn't have a song ready. Mm-hmm. Probably, but yeah. Really, so he just tried to be cool. I don't think he was cool too embarrassed. About. He's been a fucking asshole. Cause he played yeah. it like at the very end, but he was eating a hot dog. He couldn't even put the hot dog down. Like we don't need to see you get fatter, man. Just <laughs> fucking put the music on and shut the fuck up. Fuck. <laughs> it's like, dude. And people, here's the biggest problem. People came. This is what people like comedians need to understand. When you get up there, make sure you're giving it your all because people are paying money to see you. Hey, and and I and I have said that uh, if don't don't not. This is me. I can't not prepare because people paying to get in there yeah. for me to be prepared. Seriously. So why would you, why would you, but that just come from like when, uh, during the hall of fame thing where Vanessa Bryant said that, uh, his fans. One, yeah. One of Kobe's biggest things was I played through injury and things like that. People because, saved up money to come watch me play. And, and, and these people really here to support you. And another thing I heard, uh, Kobe say is about playing through injury and, uh, playing on like zero sleep. Cause they asked him like, "What's the least amount of sleep you ever played on?" He's like, "None." Yeah. Like, you mean you went to a game and he's like, "Yes," because the fans do not care what I had going on. Nothing else. So you have to care about your audience to the point where you're willing to number one, make sure you prepare, right? And number two, go up there. Not you can't really. Your fans don't care that I don't know your grandma is sick and in the hospital. Right. That's a fact. I, and and I've literally had to perform like that before. Like, oh uh, yeah, on some like that day, find out some horrible news. Shit. You got five minutes to get your little cry out, but you got a show tonight. Yeah. So in in the, in the audience, you can't go on stage and be like, uh, yeah. Well, I just found out that nah, nobody want to hear that. Shit. hear that shit. We came here to laugh, right? Or enjoy a basketball game. Or, you know, listen to a podcast, not listen to you argue with your therapist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But shit like yeah. that. Bro, you, you know what? That was a great point. You know how you know you're built for this shit? Is when you get some horrible fucked up news and you continue to remain steadfast in your journey. Yeah. Like, I remember there was a podcast we did and my dad had called me. He was calling me back to back while me and Keith were recording and I had to step away. Normally, I don't step away during a pod. Called him. He, he alarmed me that he had cancer. Right. Yeah. And and I was just like, fuck. But, you know, I got right back. We finished the podcast like nothing happened. Then another day, right before the podcast, he found out it was terminal. Like my dad has one to three years to live, man. Yeah. You know, and I, I got my tears off. I was crying like a motherfucker all day. And then the next day we was potting like nothing was going on. If you weren't passionate about something, it will expose you. Yeah, because if you were if if you were on the fence about something, you'd be like, I don't know if I can do comedy no more. Uh, because, but if you really about that life, you will pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep moving. I'm a I'm a person who can, I can I I have conversation with myself in moments of like like being like that. 
So I'm more like, okay, uh, she is going through this, but at the same time, you got this person counting on you, this person counting right. on you. So you really, for real, don't have time for that because you have a show tonight. You you can get to that after the show or whatever. But you, it, it, it almost like it sucks, but you low-key, when you're in pursuit of something, have to low-key like dehumanize yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and you know build up build up like some type of callus over your like your heart or your mind or whatever to be able to say I got to push through no matter what is going on around me because it's other people counting on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know if it's a callus though. I just think that you can section things off. Yeah. Or what's what's the the correct diction? Is this uh, compartmentalized? Com- yeah, compartmentalized. So yeah. the thing about it is you're not ignoring your, you know, your your empathy side and your pain and your tears and your emotions. You get that off. But it's a whole other side of you that's like this train got to keep fucking going. Yeah. If this this train can never stop. Why do you think we pop up every week with podcasts? It's not just because we believe in it, but it's also because there this podcast sometimes can be the best part of someone else's day. What if I'm not here? To crack jokes about pussy juice and being pap- being baptized by pussy yeah. juice, mm-hmm. or cracking jokes about Martin Luther King dating white women. This is <laughs> shit people need to hear, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like your, you know, your dad or whoever it is, they want to hear that. They want to hear like your best. So right. it's like, well, damn. If I stop because I hear this news, I might miss the opportunity for them to see me succeed before they get it. You know, yeah. before a hundred percent. Yeah, so so like for me, it was my great grandma that I got. You get the news like they put her on hospice. You have like less than a year to live, type stuff. Right. So for me, it's like, imagine if she get to see me get on just one television screen, because mm-hmm. like this is somebody who supports you, right? Like no matter what, they love you, whatever. It's like go maximize whoever you are, so she get to see that a hundred percent. Yeah. And instead of just being like, dang, well, I'm not gonna do anything until I can get past this, and that, she yeah. don't want that. No. She wants you to go do your like go do your thing. But the thing about it, it's not even what she wants. It's what you trying to do. Yeah. It's what you trying to do, and you want to not only prove it to yourself, but you want those things to come to fruition so they could see, like, you know, this is your going away. This is your going away party. Like you getting yeah. to see me really care about my life and give it everything that I've got. Cause I don't know where I'm going to be in one or three years, but I know I'm going to be doing a lot better than where I am. A lot in six months, five, yeah. three three yeah. months. You, know? you can't put a time frame on this shit, but I will tell you what: that there will be some form of advancement. I'll say that much because because you do have uh, hindsight in your favor. So right. I know for absolute one hundred percent fact, I'm not where I was at six months ago, and six months ago I wasn't where I was at six months before that. Yeah, like. So you know for a fact you're gonna move forward, even if it's just a little bit. You're not gonna be in the same position. Yeah, my my uh, girl, she asked me this question. She was like, "In what aspect of your of your life are you most patient in?" And I thought for a minute, and I was just like, um, "Success," because I don't know, I don't know when we're gonna be a top thirty podcast in mm-hmm. the world. I don't know when, you know stand up special whatever the case may be i don't know when that's going to come mm-hmm. but i know that it is going to come as as long as i stay consistent and mm-hmm. you know like you said there's there's going to be a bunch of stuff that's getting thrown at you and we all got to compartmentalize it i think mm-hmm. also sometimes um people need an excuse to stop 
chasing their dreams. Right. So I think like, you know, c- certain situations where we may hear bad news and it's like, yo, I'll, I'll, all right, I'll, let me just take a month off or let me just do this right. and you know, I'll get back to it eventually. Um, that's just, that's just an excuse that you probably already wanted to stop. Yeah. Anyways. An example is a damn a pandemic. Right. Mm-hmm. So like knowing where, knowing where I was at pre pandemic versus now, I could tell you, I grew tremendously during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like it might've helped me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can, you can use these things as excuses or you can use them as like motivation or opportunity. Like Eddie said earlier, so like for for me when when I see the pandemic, I'm not looking at it like, well, dang, we got to stay in the house. I'm looking at it like, well, dang, y'all got to stay in the house and mm-hmm. watch me because mm-hmm. I'm trying to be on the internet. I'm trying to, well, internet is not like the end goal, but I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm on the internet and it's that's in helping me get to a certain place. Mm-hmm. So yes, I can't do a live show in front of you, but I could do more things on the internet where you literally are on your phone the whole day because we're bored. We're not used to being off work. What else is there to do? Get on my yeah. phone. Mm-hmm. Truth be told, the 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 pandemic was a convenient excuse for a lot of people to stop making content. Yeah. And I feel like the fact that me and Keith never stopped, it gave a certain amount of normalcy to people. Yeah. They were like, okay, pandemic's happening, but you got these two motherfuckers talking about it every week. We was risking COVID every week. And they yeah. looking for you. That's yeah, the crazy part. Yeah. And, and, and you got to argue with people around you. Yeah. Like, I mm-hmm. literally had to argue with, like, family members, like, you did it. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing that I used to say, and they, it, I, said, I said it in one Facebook comment and said, I'm not responding to nobody else. So hopefully, you know, y'all read this. Mm-hmm. I just told them, like, uh, my mom is not in this position. I'm not in this position. My kid's not in this position. Da, 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 da. I listed a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, and until all those things happen, my work is essential. So the same way you're not saying nothing to no nurse or none of that, <laughs> don't say nothing to me. Yeah. And I'm not responding to nobody else. Yeah. And it's like, I respect all y'all though, but y'all can stay away from me if y'all that worried about it. But I'm not about to stop nothing. Yeah. Man, and I think early on, I was shook about COVID. I ain't gonna lie, I was shook. But at the same time, that still wasn't enough for me to like not do what I was you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because what reward do you get without risk? Like, man, yeah, that's true. facts. So you like y'all literally, not. yeah, y'all would have, y'all would have gave up y'all podcast because COVID happened. And right. then you would have got to this point and been like, damn, that shit, it was bad on the news, but low key in real life, mm-hmm. it wasn't that bad like that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And you, that, that rhythm, you lose that whole rhythm. Yeah. Like a, we would have lost a year of potential content, a year of getting better. Yeah, the whole nine. Like yeah. you know, there's yeah. some even some comedians. They I was gonna say they just stop doing stand up and stop Anything. writing jokes. And, and the whole and nine. And the first thing they want to say when they first of all don't get on stage and talk about. Yeah, it's been a minute, so you know I might not be funny. Don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, nobody care about nobody that. care about that shit. Yeah, yeah but laugh. yeah, but that just says that you literally didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas like myself. My confidence, I didn't get to perform on stage, but my confidence just based on what I had to do on the internet and things like that mm-hmm. and just become coming more popular and doing more things, mm-hmm. my confidence on stage grew like a lot. So I guess in that aspect, it did help help me get better without even being able to even. Right. Mm-hmm. And plus the way we started doing comedy is like, like we kind of know what's funny yeah. without having to go practice it on stage. True. I was just thinking about because I don't want to stray too far. We was, was talking about the Joe Budden shit, but um, in regards to Keith, 
I seen more resilience from him through COVID and just a little this after that whole fact too. Like um he showed up every week, not for the podcast. I mean for the podcast, in addition to within a month's time, you lose two of your fucking uncles. And I never like I didn't I didn't say, hey, you want to take a week off? I never said nothing. I just left him alone. Mm-hmm. And we never skipped a beat. Like I knew he wasn't gonna miss, right? I knew this. But it just it's it's a testament to how driven people are to do things. Yeah. When you got something like that going on, like that's not easy. You know, he had a real relationship with his uncle, you know. So it's not easy to just pop up and keep working. But it just shows what level of commitment people have to something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the I think the biggest thing for me was like um when once you realize like somebody like believes in you and then right. almost believes in you more than you believe in yourself at times, it's like I would be a fool not to fulfill that promise. Like my grandma right. was she passed away when I was at BC, like 2011, 11. maybe 10, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. And she taught me how to write. Like she taught me good, you know, penmanship. And she was a person that cared about education. Cause you know, my, my parents was, they was just out here. Like, but she was a person that gave me structure as far as education. And she was a person that like actually cared. So, you know, when she passed away, it wasn't like, well, you know, I don't have to go to school anymore. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like, oh, let me fulfill this promise to her and you know i'm almost as an ode to our dedication to her because she's a person that instilled education in me and same with my uncle it's like you know we had conversations about being successful and being businessmen and all this kind of stuff and he won't be able to see it physically but these people are still out there you know kind of overseeing what we're doing so that's like true got to keep it going facts yeah i think going back to like the the mental health conversation earlier where we were saying we need to talk to our like significant others more. Right. I think that uh, guys got to talk to guys more mm-hmm. because That's we be facts, so a, a, a large portion of why we don't say anything or why we don't speak about where we at mentally is because you're almost embarrassed because everything with us is about ego. So like where I say you don't want to you don't want to feel like another dude had a chance at your girl and things like that. Mm-hmm. Everything is ego. So sometimes we be scared to like have certain conversations with our friends. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't even think to ask our friends. So for Keith, Keith is the type of dude, you're not even about to know he going through any of that. Mm-hmm. So as as friends, we we should be asking each other more like, yo, you good? Like, because some people just seem good all the time. Mm-hmm. Yo, you good? Because like, like when you say that, like his two uncles died, it's like, I did not know that because I don't ever ask Keith, like, Keith, you good? Mm-hmm. And Keith is also not about to tell me like, I'm not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we also have to understand that some people have a, I won't say a tribe, but a council or some people that they can express this to. Yeah. But as as a whole, you're right. A lot of men do not have, you know, men to express this yeah. to. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes they don't have to even tell you that they're not good. Sometimes they they feel better just knowing like, damn, he, he did ask me, was I cool? Mm-hmm. Like somebody cared that I was all right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like yeah. people just letting me sit here alone and nobody yeah. like because sometimes people literally just be like nobody cares. True. Mm-hmm. But I think what it is, too, is it's the tone of the person matters. Like you're you're like a you could be serious at times, but you're a really funny guy. Yeah. Whereas me, I've had many people like and I've, I've around too. I, I guess I'm considered a funny guy, too. But 
I've had people tell me a lot of stuff. Like they feel comfortable coming to me, telling me things. Yeah. And maybe it's because of they seen the tone of the person that I am. So it's been some men that have told me some very personal stuff. Yeah. And and it's and it's happened many times. But it goes back to what you said. You're also right. Because men have this awkward masculinity. Yeah. To where they're not going to express that shit. And truth be told, man, I didn't talk some people out of some crazy shit. I don't talk, yeah. talk some people out of violence. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I think I think what happens too is like just as men, we could do a better job of um being the receiver as well. Cause I know I know for me, um <laughs> I don't want to say too much because it's, it's about a person that may have come across this. But be- essentially what happened is I told a person something like very vulnerable and we have a working relationship. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I hope you good. I hope everything is straight. Prayers to your family and whatnot. But hey, this is what we got to do next week. This is what we got to mm. do coming up. And what happens too is like, you realize like, I'm never going to tell this person any type of vulnerable no. inf- information ever again because yeah. they're not, they're not, they have, they don't understand empathy at all. No, you, you know you've I mean? proven to me that you are, are a robot. Yeah. That you, you have robotic, <clears throat> you have robotic empathy. What I mean by robotic empathy is like if you go to a restaurant and like, oh, sorry, sir, I do apologize for that. Yeah. That's yeah. not empathy at all. Yeah. You're just doing that because that's your job. But it's people that really move like that in the world. Like, you don't got no type of empathy, but let something happen to your family, and now you expect everybody to be empathetic towards you. Yeah. Or they're waiting to go tell the next person. Yeah. Like, if, if, if you tell me something or... I do something for you in a moment where you down, literally nobody is ever going to know about it. Like, Facts. I don't even want you bringing it up. Mm-hmm. That's, right. It's like, it's your choice, but like, like don't tell nobody that. Mm-hmm. Like, I did, I did some major stuff for like somebody close, mm-hmm. like last year. Mm-hmm. And I would never want nobody to know that, like Mm-mm. at all, period. Yeah. That's between me and God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I did not do it for nobody to know. I don't even want you to bring it up no more. Mm-hmm. Like I for like it's like you forget about I'm like the type of person that I forget about it until you mention it. Like, mm-hmm. oh I did it. Okay, yeah, whatever. One, one thing I will say about Charlemagne though, and this is this is this is connected to that. There have been people that have been on a podcast and be like, yo, like, you know, Charlemagne believed in me when nobody else did. Like, yo, Charlemagne paid my rent when I was about to lose my apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Hey, 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 don't you ain't gotta tell nobody that. You know what I mean? And yeah. and the thing about it is it's like that's a good track record to have is to be there for people. He's literally putting people on. Yeah. But to that point, like I, in the Bible, it speaks about that. You know what I mean? Not necessarily like bragging about the things that you do for other people. Right. But at the same time, um, what makes certain other things okay to brag about? Not cheating or That's buying true. a new car. Or, That's true. I, if anything, um, I would want to hear somebody brag about it. Would at least want to be something that's positive, like paying somebody's rent or helping somebody get a job or yeah. putting somebody on in that aspect. But that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Where are we at, man? Uh, Two thirty-seven. Two thirty-seven. Okay, let's keep rocking. But we got to move on from the Joe Button because we didn't completely gave up on that whole topic. Yeah. Yeah. He, we didn't give Joe Button no energy. Yeah, he give no energy. <laughs> All right, to summarize, Joe Button, we are we already talked about it. Uh, Rory Mall, they have a rift. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Joe Budden got two new guys. 
Um, he owns the IP. I don't know what that means for Rory and Ma, if they can start their own podcast mm-hmm. or not. We just hope the best for all those brothers. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for the content over the years and mm-hmm. best of success and blessings to you and your families. Yeah. Switching gears. But, but what I would say before you move on is huh? like um, the business is X's and O's. 100%. I think that um, above all in, in any situation, we got to work on our relationships if we think something is going to go wrong. That's true. So I think for them, as much as it is about, well, their profit uh, partners mm-hmm. and Joe Budden owns the IP and all this kind of stuff, just on a human to human level, their relationship was not that great. They weren't yeah. friends at all. They were moving in a way where, you know, the uh, the chemistry was good and the podcast worked. But for the whole time, there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes yeah. that you know, didn't sound like these are three people that are, you know, very friendly, uh, which is unfortunate. So I think above all, when, you know, when we get into these situations, um, we got to just on a human to human level, realize like, yo, like, as we still, when we started this in 2000, whatever, when we was all broke and we was just kicking it and sharing ideas and, you know, chilling, uh, in my living room or whatever, um, are we still at that same position? And if not, I then it's I don't even think that you need to ask the person that question. You mm-hmm. should just assume that something's wrong. And the reason mm-hmm. why is it's almost like you're coercing that person into telling you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, we good. Even though you fucking hate my guts. Yeah. I'm going to say, hey, look, I don't feel like we have the same vibe from back then. Let's make sure we get on the same page and get it fixed. And then it kind of changes the way they react to it because mm-hmm. then they feel like it's more genuine. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm asking you, is everything good? If you ask the average person, hey, how you doing? They're like, I'm fine. Truth be told, they fucking grandma and somebody else done died. They done lost their job. They dog died. All kind of shit done been fucked up. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like when you ask that question, if you said, hey, how you doing? And somebody's like, actually, I'm doing horrible. You wouldn't even be ready to react to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's what happened a lot on that podcast, too. Yeah, Joe man. Biden would be like, hey, how you guys doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Meanwhile, we they you know no one knows about they fucked up. Yeah, yeah. The all behind us, this is it's an extremely weird dynamic, and I I would hope that I'm never in a position where I have to be that fake in front of yeah, uh-uh. the world. Nope. And then Ma, I think uh, Rory's uncle had died too. Yeah. So he's dealing with all kinds of stuff. That was an episode he did right afterwards. Yeah. Or he he said they were going to do the episode the next day, but his uncle passed away. After they uh, came back together. Yeah. What I've learned ultimately from this before we move on is the fact that regardless of what I am ever, um, I guess, in charge of or if I have employees in the future or whatever, is I want to make sure they have a very good working environment. And I want them to know that I'm willing to go the extra mile for them because you make my business move. So since you make my business move, I want to make sure you're taken care of. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure when you come to work, you don't feel intimidated, threatened or um, disrespected when you come in this building, yeah, you know? And a lot of people don't realize that some form of friendship or respect is a part of your business. Mm-hmm. And is and if you don't make it a part of your business, your business will fucking fail. That kills creativity too. Yeah. Know, and depending on what kind of business you have, imagine if we're all working in this type of environment and you're scared to tell whoever the head honcho is, like, yo, it would be dope to add this to the podcast. It would be dope to add this. Yeah. So. Everybody's important. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even on this podcast, you realize how we were kind of bigging up each other. Like, you talked about how you 
got started with stand up and right. you know just how we appreciate other people's content and stuff like how we all affected one yeah. another yeah like, it's a rippling effect yeah like you went first and then DJ went and then I was like man I'm sitting here so I might as well try look, to do some here. jokes too look here my objective is hmm. not to make it in comedy but if me going on stage first has a rippling effect on DJ and DJ becomes big a big fish I'm glad I could play any role Mm-hmm. Remotely in his growth and doing something, and, and not nor I would I would let you finish right now. I would never take credit for something like that. Mm-hmm. But being able to basically put yourself out there first and and you motivate somebody that's actually great at it, that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then you have to be okay with giving somebody that credit. They should not have to give you the credit, mm-hmm. or they they should have to take the credit. It should just be given to me. Facts. Like, so no matter where you go, you should be okay with, like, I should always be okay with saying, like, yeah, it was conversations with them that got this thought started. Or, it was, you know, I've, to- I've told Tyson to him, like, yo, you gave me a stage. Facts. Without, Same here. Without asking me nothing. I just said I want to do a show. And you said, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Without seeing me, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, no, and. Shout it's out not to that, Tyson, man. Shout yeah. out to Tyson. It's not that nobody would have done that, but, you know, you, you don't know. Yeah, shout out to Tyson though. Real shit because Tyson gave me opportunity. I just reached out to him on Facebook one day, and he said, "All right, I got you a show in this way. Be there." And I'm just like, "What?" It yeah. was weird as in Bakersfield. There's no huge market for comedy and anything, but we're lucky to have somebody like Tyson or Chris Flail or Daniel Betts, people that got open mics in yeah. LA. You can't even get on the fucking stage. Yeah. We got it. We got it made out here. That's the thing. People on. Yep. All right. Switching gears. Um, Instagram for kids. Uh, Keith brought this up to me. And I decided to look into it a little bit myself. Let me go ahead and pull the article up right here. And let's see. All right. Instagram for kids. Instagram. Don't fall asleep on the podcast. Come on, man. That's disrespectful, DJ. What the the fuck? What time you be going to bed, man? (laughs) Man. I'm going to tell you, pre. Pre-COVID, this nigga DJ be in the bed at 9.30. Are you serious? <laughs> Man, I got a bedtime. At 9.30? Nah, it would be super early. Because, you know, we'd be sharing ideas at like 12, 12 a.m. Yeah, me and Keith like would be that. up at the same time. This nigga been, DJ I've been texting up, me in the morning. Yeah, I've been up later, uh, <laughs> more recently, but, you know, I do Are you be... a fucking baby or something? You want a sippy cup, man? <laughs> 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 I don't know, man. I just be up early. I had, gotta, a bad, I had a bad time growing up, and that mug stuck. Bad, dude. You got a fucking onesie underneath those pants? Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> you Shit, man. All right. Um, Instagram for kids. Uh, Facebook should tread carefully. Now, are we doomed to the future where toddlers now play with fingerprints, finger paints? But wait, what the fuck does it say? Are we doomed to the, a future where toddlers... Play not with finger paints, but with photo editing filters. This is what's at stake as Facebook considers whether to build a version of Instagram for children. 44 attorneys uh, generals asked Chief Executive Mark Zuckerberg on Monday to cease the development of a product that would allow kids to use a spinoff of of company's popular photo sharing app. Complete with parental controls designed to keep them safer. Right now, no one under 13 is allowed to create an Instagram account because of the risk of sexual exploitation, inappropriate content, bullying, and more that the platform and its peers present. Now, Facebook wants to open the door of all to all ages. That looks likelier 
to breed danger than block it. Um, I have a problem with this. The problem I have with the Instagram for kids is that we can't, we haven't even properly controlled the Instagram for adults. Mm-hmm. Every time you're scrolling through there, the most popular or th- or or people you may know or that discovery page ain't nothing but women twerking and people doing viral stuff mm-hmm. that could be inflicting bodily harm upon themselves. Um, people putting up inappropriate shit all over Instagram. Mm-hmm. This is not you're exposing children to adult like themes. And we didn't have this problem when I was a kid, man. This shit is fucked up. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see the point of this. Instagram is not a science book. You don't like a science book is something you need for school. You don't need Instagram. Yeah. Remember the uh, the social dilemma. Yeah. And how it showed on there how the the young the the teenagers were affected. Like it was a guy who he broke up with his girlfriend, and um, I think. The parents posed this idea like, yo, whoever, I don't know if it was some reward, but they were like, put your phones away and, you know, you'll get some reward for however long you, uh, you right. know, keep your phone away. And something happened to where he, he put his phone in like a, a lock or something like that. And um, he broke up with his girlfriend. But basically what Instagram did or whatever social media did, it sent him an alert showing that old girl had posted a new picture. And then yeah. when he seen it, it was a picture of her and her boyfriend. Uh, and yeah. it just triggered all kind of like, he just went yeah. down a wormhole of just scrolling through all their pictures, yep. seeing who the dude was and the whole nine. So this is the type of people that we're introducing Instagram yes. to yeah. as, as yeah. kids. It's like, and what happens is um, they're already dealing with coming into, coming into themselves as young adults already. Right. You know, they're dealing with bullies at school. They're dealing with being a broke ass nigga and you got holes in your shoes <laughs> you know I mean? so it's, it's just there's <laughs> just so much stuff they're dealing with and oh, buy cookies. Sure. hey man you, and got it's you got McDonald's magnified. money what you said <laughs> yeah man that is I, I don't think that kids are mature enough to have a social media to mm-hmm. themselves because like you mentioned bullying imagine bullying between uh you know fourth and fifth graders when you might not well you don't have to get punched in the face mm-hmm. eventually mm-hmm. like that already exists man i mean but like specifically <laughs> for them where where it's just them on there and really i mean i guess there would be parents monitoring it but like every kid not built for social media and i think there would be more kids on there because parents will feel oh this is just for kids you can do that Da-da-da. yeah it looks harmless me i'm the parent that's like Cause my son has already asked. He's in third grade. He's already asked about like when can I get a cell phone? When can I do it? I didn't have one until junior high. Mm-mm. Like if you're not walking home from school or doing things to be doing mm. things where you need to contact somebody in case of an emergency, what do you need a phone for? You at the yeah. house? You should get him a phone. Just get him a flip phone. I can't because I don't know what he needed for. Mm-hmm. Like him and his friends want to text. It's like you can text. Just better use that, that the numbers on the phone, or y'all could <laughs> y'all could talk out loud where we can hear you. <laughs> Don't be trying to plan that and delete because these kids smart. Yeah, like they already doing stuff that we don't know about. Oh, but yeah. right, we can try to limit it or, or at least limit the access. So whatever mm-hmm. he's talking about, he probably already talking about on his iPad or whatever. But yeah. it's like and over the game. Yeah, I'm not about to help you. You know, mm-hmm. and and to me, social media period just exposes him to stuff that 
I might not be ready for him to be exposed to without <laughs> me getting to talk to him first. 100%. And things yeah. like that. Like you it's said, some, that explore page be crazy. It's some shit that he'd probably already seen. No, it's I, definitely. I, I guarantee that. Yeah. yeah. I could only ima- just imagine putting yourself in these kids' shoes as a, as a 10, 11 year old. Yeah. I know for me, like, sh- I remember, <laughs> I remember junior high, um, Desmond had these, uh, these DVDs, but they wasn't, they wasn't actually, they was pornos, but they weren't full movies. They were like the clips. <laughs> oh, They were just like a minute and a half clips. And I think, I honestly think Big Will had, had a uh, mixtape. <laughs> it, it was a porno mixtape. What? <laughs> it was almost like freestyles, like porno freestyles. In between the porno, it was like, cannon, cannon, cannon. Beep, 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 beep. It was no fluff, though. <laughs> it was Southern it was, smoke. Low key, that sound better. Get straight to the nut. <laughs> Hey, black pornos don't have no real production quality. It just they just be fucking right when it starts. Black they pornos don't. At least on the white pornos, they'd be like the UPS man comes up or the pizza delivery. Black people, they just be fucking right when it starts up. Straight when it gets white pornos is iPhones. Black pornos is Androids. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh, uh, somebody listening like that's all I watch is black porn. <laughs> gotta get your iPhone. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I fucked your story up. What about the clips? But no, so there was, I just found the DVD just, you know, just being a nosy little kid. Um, and I remember I, he had his Xbox and I would just pop, like I would get out of school. You know, you uh, we, you ride the bus from Kern, right? Uh-huh. So you, you get off the bus and ain't nobody at the crib whenever I get home because my, my uh, younger siblings is in elementary school. So mm-hmm. they probably an after school program or magnet or whatever. So I'm the only one at home and I'm just pop, I pop it in and I scroll through it. My heart be pounding. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I hope nobody walk in right now. And I was just watching it. So I could only imagine, I'm saying that to say like, I can only imagine being a, a, a younger kid with freaking yeah. Instagram and how, right. you know, how many different pages of fitness models or whatever the equivalent would be. Right. Cause what happens too is with that is there's, it's going to be those same young girls that are posting these kind of pictures. Because right. you think about like, what's that girl? The bad baby or whatever. Bad baddie. She was, she was like 17, 16 years old, still posting like thirst traps. You yeah. Know? She so. had a, uh, I guess she had an OnlyFans that made a million dollars. What? Is she 18 yet? 18 now. Yeah. She just, that when she turned cool. 18, that's when she posted it. And the she sad was. thing is, it's a bunch of people that was, there's so many of these like low key pedophile dudes that mm-hmm. was waiting until she turned 18 to see the They're content. They were trying to red shirt her. <laughs> yeah, niggas is that's weirdos, funny. bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's weird. I remember when I was a little, uh, fuck, I think I was in fourth grade, third grade? I, I think it's fourth grade. And the first time I seen the, the porno shit is I was at, it was one of my, it was my, my big cousin and he was hiding. He, it was back in the day when porn magazines was big deal. Yeah. And I was looking at it like, oh my God, like titties right yeah. and i would open it i was just looking at titties looking at titties looking at titties and then the door opened in the front and i would go back and hide it like i wasn't doing nothing that's funny i'm like, gonna tell you this is a cautionary tale folks parents make sure you hide your porn better facts the reason you can't avoid your kids seeing stuff though is because one of their friends got an older brother facts and the, fr- the friend with the older brother yeah. be the one putting your son on like yeah. yo this is what I learned. This is da da da. My friend uh, was a dude named Johnny. He's actually Jay Jay Vatan or Vatan, the rapper out here. Mm-hmm. 
That was like one of my best friends when I was younger. Mm-hmm. We don't really speak now at all. <laughs> but uh, he's, he's super cool. But uh, yeah, that was my friend that's like, put. and then I got a little older. And then my friend Dita, I mentioned, like he got two older brothers. Mm-hmm. Like they were showing us like everything. But there was a time where you wasn't watching porn for sport. It just was funny and it was just cool to watch. And, right. Like you could watch it with your friends. Mm-hmm. Now you need some alone time. That's hilarious. Yeah, you start out watching porn with friends and you get older and yeah. it's like, yeah, I did. You're watching porn for sport at the first <laughs> yeah. point. Now you actually like do it for a purpose. I'm making yeah, it. That- yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to cheat on my girl. <laughs> porn, porn save your relationship. <laughs> That's facts. Because you only uh, want to cheat. Like once you once you you don't want to cheat no more. You'd be like, yeah, uh, you got the post. Why was I about to call her? Oh yeah, man, that's true. I think, I think, like you said, parents could definitely do a better job because I, I was exposed to some stuff that I probably shouldn't have just because you know my dad was a horn dog himself. I, I remember like I was supposed to be sleep, but me and my dad was watching Howard Stern together. Oh and, you God, know, I remember yeah, that show was wild. <laughs> that show was wild back yeah. in the day. He got the, girls the, naked playing with themselves. The, the thing that. about kids though, they find a way. Mm-hmm. Because, like, for me, when I was in high school, they not going to... Okay. Anyway, <laughs> for me, when I was in high school, uh, my dad had porn in there. And he probably don't even know to this day that I knew where that porn was at. Yeah. But he, he would, like, hide it under the uh, the their little entertainment stand. It sat super low to the ground. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I discovered it, but you could go get some. So my mom worked, like, overnight, and he worked super early in the morning. But there was, like, a period... <laughs> where there's like an hour or whatever where they both where they both gone where they both gone so like they would leave and you know what i'm saying that one eye pop up and like they gone and That's you wild. know i'll run in there and get they uh you know the get one of the tapes yeah and this is like before i discovered or before they start putting videos on this, dvd yeah because at first you can only like cassette yeah when i would google like pictures and stuff you can only google like and it would just be pictures mm-hmm but then Pornhub stuff this? came to the, the motion pictures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, at first you couldn't get like video on your phone unless you knew special websites like, you know. Oh, it was yeah, way back you. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. there was like crack space and all that. But mm-hmm. you had to have passwords. Right, you know? right, right, right. But right. it was still DVD. So I would have to get oh, the DVD okay. and all that. Unless I just want to look at pictures of Alexis, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> that's an OG. Yeah. That's OG the OG porn, porn right there. Yeah. Lisa Ann and them. Yeah, that's Lisa, yeah, Lisa Ann. Ann is like uh, the Abraham Lincoln of porn. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honest Ann. <laughs> Lisa Ann has done more for the black community than probably. I'm dead. <laughs> Joe Biden. Joe Biden. <laughs> Lisa Ann will win in a in a uh and and if they had a head up hurt between her and Joe Biden, <laughs> I think Lisa Ann would win. <laughs> she would yeah. be a lot of people head to head. Yeah, I'm, I'm dead. <laughs> Mouth to head. <laughs> Yeah, man. Look, to summarize all this, man, Instagram's fucked. Like it's fucked, man. The the original platform is terrible. So why would you create something for for kids? kids. That's like creating cigarettes for kids, man. Um, You know, (laughs) you know what it is. As a business person, you want to. I can understand how a, a Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg they want to have everybody in the world no matter what age you are, using their stuff. So there's probably going to be a, a Amazon for kids where you got your parents' credit card and, you know, oh, you, could, fuck you, know no. you get an allowance or something. You could get So 
I can see it from that standpoint. Like you, you just want a, as many people to have your app downloaded on your phone. But from a human being standpoint, or just morals, is that's not good. All they're doing, honestly, this is it, this is sad. It's literally. I just thought about it, and this is a very insidious or sinister thing they're doing. They're driving their numbers up. Yeah, it's, it, it's no different than when they had toy cigarettes back in the day. Yeah. Because those toy cigarettes turned into real cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all they're doing is get they're catching the eyes of the consumers earlier to turn them into lifelong fiends. Mm-hmm. And cigarettes are terrible. You hear about what they did with cigarettes recently? Mm-hmm. They're getting rid of flavored cigarettes completely. All flavored cigarettes are being taken off the shelves. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the cigarettes being taken off too is Newports. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be sad for the black community. It's the number one cigarette in the black community is cigarettes. I mean, it's Newports. If you look at Newports, what I always thought about them when I was a kid is it is an upside down Nike swoosh. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm talking just about? Just don't do it. Yeah, don't. <laughs> okay. Just don't smoke it. <laughs> oh, man. Me, me, me as a parent, though. Uh, what I thought about, like when we were going through having to vote for, you want your kid to come back in person or stay on social uh, learning mm-hmm. or distance learning. Um, the thing I struggled with was like, yeah, it's safer to do the distance learning right now, but from a just thinking about them like in their growth, it was you're losing that like person to person interaction. Mm-hmm. So by creating social medias for them and having them learn through Zoom and all these different things. How they going? They not about to know how to do any no. real networking or a job interview or mm-hmm. any part like find a a, a a spouse. These are crucial like years for them. Yeah, that like that you learn you get all your social skills from school. You learn how to share in school. You learn how to communicate. Yeah, facts. Like all these things, and this is like a pivotal time for like like I said, uh, my son yeah. in third grade. I'm like, I need him at school so he knows how to make friends. Mm-hmm. How do you make make a friend in person? If you never been to, like, we don't get to go to school. Yeah, and Eric yeah. is so much younger than him. You know? Yes, he needs somebody you know, like, really yeah. So, yes. like, like the dopest thing for me is one of his little basketball teammates recently moved two doors <clears throat> down from my grandma's house. Oh, that's so cool. So when he's over there, he gets to go outside and play. Like, mm-hmm. we used to really go outside and play. Like, they don't know what yeah. it's facts. Yeah, like, you might have been the last fucking. Group of kids, that yeah. Got they, to play. they they did mention that about like uh, like our age group yeah. being like we had we were we were born early enough to experience that era, but also we were born late enough to really fully understand how to navigate through social media. One hundred percent, same here. I'm yeah. Well, since I'm I'm a couple of years older. No, you're twenty twenty eight. You're twenty eight. Twenty eight. Oh yeah, I'm thirty six. So with me, we was really outside. Yeah, <laughs> We was really outside. I, I feel like I, I took on or embodied the the generation of my parents and my own. Yeah. So like what's weird is, is I probably, I feel like my age group is really probably one of the most versatile age groups because yeah. you got the music and influences from your parents and grandparents, your own thing, and now this new one. Yeah. Not to cut you off, but... Um... Uh, 21 Savage asked J. Cole that He was like do you think the Era that you grew up in yeah. like, Shapes the way you rap and He was like for sure They didn't go in too deep to it But he was like yeah Yeah sure. it definitely mm-hmm. does Because J. Yeah, J. Cole's 36 We're the same age mm-hmm. So it's crazy how We're old enough to properly 
Like we're we're damn near forty at thirty six years old, mm-hmm. but we're like smack dab in the middle of all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we we really could comprehend it all, you know. Still, sometimes you do feel a little bit over the hill though at thirty six. You kind of <laughs> feel like, what's going on? What's all this new shit? <laughs> I'm seeing kids walking around like, sheesh. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, and it's they a do blast it. Ad-lib. The what? I said it's a blast ad lib. Oh yeah, <laughs> he do be doing that yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. Sheesh. <laughs> Yeah, or that. What's that? That thing they do where they point their they point to like their their veins. That shit the kids be doing. Oh, oh like D'Angelo the, Russell. Yeah, it's the D'Angelo ice, ice in their veins. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just seeing just regular little kids doing that. Yeah, yeah. I think that the the shit that really killed me was the dab shit. Not hmm. only little kids was doing that after a while. Yeah. yeah, Cam Newton started out with it, and then the little kids just fucking mm-hmm. took it to the next level. Everything goes viral. Well, yeah. here's the thing, man. We're gonna have to wrap this thing up because DJ ain't gonna make it. This fucking guy's eyes are closing. Hey, <laughs> listen, comedians get sleepy too. <laughs> yeah. If if we keep talking in the next couple of minutes, this guy's gonna have a fucking pacifier in his mouth. We keep going. On. Listen, I told you. Listen, I said this at the open. I don't know if I want to end with that. Never mind. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna mention being a baby because I like to be held and I like titties, but that's not a good way to end the podcast. Well, you just did that. All right. Well, if you made it to uh, end it, <laughs> they used to, we used to, I don't want to just extend it too, too long, uh-huh. but there was an era too, talking about like being outside and stuff where mm-hmm. we actually talked on the phone and you'd be talking to a female and it got to the point where y'all just talking all night and either you fall asleep or she fall asleep yeah. on the phone. Yeah. Dang. That's a different. The a different funniest time. human being ever I've ever seen cupcaking on the phone. It's my best friend of over 20 years. <laughs> Desmond Early, which is <laughs> Keith's older brother. This nigga would be on the phone for like seven hours. Oh, I was that dude. Really? Yeah. I was and it, it gets to the point where you're not even really talking. It's just like, you up? You, uh, you, you fall yeah. asleep? You want to go to bed? You stupid. No. Don't, don't be like talking like that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> what you eating? Oh, another cracker, huh? Another, another. Oh, you eating the chicken crackers, huh? Okay. Yeah. And it's like, what? This hey. is, what's going on? Hey. If I hang up, don't call me back. That means my mama came in the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god, man! Oh my god! It, it's it's this is like this this teenage infatuation. Niggas used to chop it up. God damn. Yeah. Like, well, you know why you get on the phone so late? I'm gonna call you back at the nine when my minutes free. <laughs> uh, I used to be the king of that. <laughs> Yeah, that's a trip though, man. You think about it, that era. I think that era started to end when I, like, right when I got to college. Because mm-hmm. when I got to college, cell phones were starting to become popular. I Be- forgot how to talk on the phone for a little bit. Really? Mm-hmm. No way. Like, probably like senior year, like to maybe the first year of college. I, I wasn't talking on the phone at all. Oh I my strictly God. text messaging. Yeah, text messages is, is weird. It's a very strange thing. We've become a we've we've started <clears throat> cooperating through all these mediums and then we forgot how it felt to talk on phones. It's, and my thing is is I'm a communicator on phones, but in order for me and you to have that uh that exchange, like you have to know me. I can't just be on the phone with a motherfucker that I don't want to waste time talking to. Oh, see, I'm I yeah. You like the opposite. I've, I've had a conversation. <laughs> I've had a conversation with somebody in Australia for like an hour. No, you didn't. <laughs> You're fucking lying. No way. <laughs> she called me from Australia. 
You lying. On, 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 on Instagram, she called. And I was what? Just ta- I was just talking to her. Mm-hmm. And How the fuck do you call through Instagram? They got Instagram, yeah, like the video call. Yeah. You can call. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And, and I just was talking. And... But I, but I was so reluctant. I'm the opposite of Keith. I was reluctant to receive the text messaging error. I'm like, man, call me. I'm like, I was like yeah. an old man. Like, yeah. Why you keep? What's this text of? Give it. Call me. Like, <laughs> I'm one. I didn't used to want to wait. Now I'm fine with text messaging. It's I almost, really like your comedy. Yeah. Like, oh. That's how, <laughs> nah, that's she was. Funny. Yeah. It's really funny what you were doing your comedy, <laughs> but. That's crazy, man. You're talking to motherfuckers in Australia. I've talked to people in Germany. No way. Uh, not that wasn't a conversation, but they uh, they met. They messaged me uh, like, uh, tell these, tell my, tell my friends that you're my man, and that that yeah, you can hear friends that. in the back. Yeah. What? Yeah. They. Wow. Yeah. That was super random. I was like, "What in the world is going on?" Yeah, that, that was crazy. I was Social like, "Social media land." Yeah. She's like, "See, I, I was all at the school at my regular job, like here, yeah, Germany." You know what I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, worldwide with it. <laughs> worldwide DJ, call me that. <laughs> Do you want me to twerk for you? It <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was really like that. Would you like some Belgian waffles? <laughs> all right, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, we'd like to thank DJ for coming on, man. You've been sure. great. Um, if you made it to the end of this podcast, we. Was that? Oh yeah, it's fourth, fourth time. Week. Yeah, fourth time, man. Let me finish the fucking podcast, Keith. All right, all right. If you made it to if you made it to end of this podcast, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening to a Trucker's Mind podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K. Fee. We're out of here. Peace.